Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Pod and the Pendulum. It's the show that covers horror movie franchises, one movie and one episode at a time. As always, I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, and just when we thought it was safe to go back in the water, we've got another killer shark out here waiting to turn us into chum. But I would not have any better first mates than my co-hosts that are with me today. Uh, back in the co-host chair this week from the Losers Club, Halloweenies, and Girls on the Boys. Well, welcome back, Rachel Reeves. Rachel, how are we? Oh my gosh, I am so good. I think the last episode I was on was, well, like movie episode was Hell House 2 LLC. And, you know, just in case anybody was curious, this is a much better movie than that. So I'm I'm ecstatic to be here. <laughs> are we only having you on for part twos now? Is that something that's going to be what we're going to be doing going forward is that just some sort of kismet that we've done it's probably like so you know part of like some weird undiagnosed thing i like to group things unintentionally Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh yeah two that sounds good like yeah i'm gonna sign up for that one (laughs) also with us today i think it's been a little bit brian so it has i think we've hit a bunch of movies where you're like no this is no we're just not well some uh, maybe a little but also it's just been a crazy second half of the year so (laughs) well you know those pipes he is from bloody disgusting he is the co-host of the movies for life podcast which just had a fantastic discussion of jaws and arachnophobia on an episode so go out and seek that out after you listen to this brian kuyper is back brian how are we uh doing pretty good um school's out i am ready to talk about swimming with sharks excellent not the movie yeah. swimming with sharks with right, frank whaley right. and oh oh kevin spacey i am so confused now which is really uh, good it's a really good movie is, i recommend it, it even though kevin it. spacey's in it frank whaley's great in it we have a guest yeah. this week as well we have someone who i won't spoil his feelings on the movie here but he is one half of the horror queers podcast part of the bloody bloody disgusting network and i think the first time he's been on this show? Hey, I, I, I was looking at this. <laughs> I had to Google my name plus Pod in the Pendulum. So it has been over two years because we discussed Final Destination 5 in 2021. Okay, <laughs> that's right. I, it's hard to keep track. Of oh, I mean, point. yeah, sure. Wait. <laughs> that's right. Back when Lindsay was in the co-host chair yes. as Yes. Well. Um, also, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I have to say, like, Hell House LLC 2, like, while definitely having some <laughs> atrocious acting, I, I think it has... It's a worse film than the first movie because I love that first movie, but I think it has better scares than the first movie does. Mm, (laughs) Wow. There's some of there for sure, but I think we can all agree this is better. Oh, yeah. No, Jaws 2 is amazing. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I, again, like with Conversation 5, I will always come and like defend like sequels because I'm Mm -hmm. a sequel person. Like, I'm very, I I love originals, you know, I get it. But it's, there's something where I just like where we have all the character, like, introductions out of the way, and we can just pick up with these characters in, like, a new setting where it's like, okay, cool, like, they've experienced this, let's go. That's why Scream 2 is my favorite Scream. This is just a sampling of the hot takes that our guest today, who I haven't even named Oh, I'm sorry. You know the voice, that's all right. (laughs) Trace Thurman, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here and discussing, again, one of my favorite sequels of all time, Jaws 2. 
So let's start with that then. Before we kind of dive into the background of this movie, let's talk about our initial impressions, like when we first saw the movie. Uh, has our opinion changed it over the years? And Trace, as our guest, why don't you kind of continue that thought? Yeah, I mean, and I'll clarify too. I, I actually do think Jaws is a better movie than Jaws 2, but if I'm going to put one on just to watch, I will always put on Jaws 2. Uh, this is the first Jaws movie I ever saw. Uh, I was... Probably uh, like around five years old, and my I was like visiting my grandmother, and my uncle was there, and it was like late at night, and he puts on like TNT or something, and Jaws two is playing, and he it's it, it's on the skier scene, and he's telling me about it and stuff, and I at this point I've never heard of Jaws before, and good lord, when Marge gets swallowed whole by this fucking shark, you better believe that I was traumatized by this. I'm um, to the point where. I have, like, this vivid memory of 10 years later. Like, I'm, like, you know, a teenager in high school. And I have a dream that I also get swallowed by a shark. And when I'm in the shark's stomach, Marge's corpse is in there. But she's still alive and talking to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. So there's a lot of, like, trauma wow. with me in this movie. <laughs> yeah. What would make you, if you don't mind me asking, and I can get mm -hmm. that, where you can understand where, like, all right, this is the better movie I get mm -hmm. from, like, a technical standpoint like this movie is technically better but i want to go to watch this one what makes this one uh, more of a rewatchable movie for you honestly i think it's the third act and look the, mm -hmm. fir the third act of jaws is amazing but the thing is it's just such like a like straight bro male energy with these three guys in a boat going fishing um i like the slasheriness of the third act of jaws 2 and i know it's kind of old hat to say that by this point because everyone like is like oh yeah jaws 2 is a slasher film but i just think it makes it more exciting to watch the shark go after all these kids even if he really only eats like one of them two of them <laughs> <laughs> two. excellent brian how about yourself uh well this is uh, one of those things i watched these in reverse order <laughs> oh, for, from what was available at the time. So I watched three first. Oh, wow. Uh, we, we rented Jaws 3 for some reason. Uh, and when we first got a VCR, and uh, it kind of freaked me out. It, you know, you were talking about the dream of being swallowed by mm -hmm. a shark and everything. There's a part, you know, in that movie where the guy's like stuck in the gullet of the Best shark. Best scene of the movie, by the way. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's the only thing I remember mm -hmm. about it, frankly. And um, that... That was my nightmare. I had that same yeah. dream, so I I, I I understand that fully. Um, but then instead of going back to seeing one, I decided, well, I guess we'll just watch two next. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I think my dad had said, oh, Jaws 2 is great because this guy gets eaten out of a helicopter, which just puts <laughs> something in my brain of this shark jumping into the air <laughs> and eating a helicopter, guy out of a helicopter. Anyway, um, so... And so I saw that Jaws 2, which um, the corpse uh, flying out of the water, I vividly remembered yeah. that. Um, and then I finally saw one. And so um, one was my favorite. I think I still have the VHS tape Ooh. that my grandma gave me when I was, I want to say I must have been in sixth grade. When I got this, and it's still in great shape, which is amazing, because um, I watched it a whole lot. Um, but um, two was always like I liked it. I thought it was good, and I had a good time with it. And as I've watched it over the years later, it's like okay, um, there's some things I really, really like about this movie, and I still find it really entertaining. Uh, for me, Jaws though is a perfect movie. I 
I, the more I see it, the more I'm convinced of that fact. And so, um, I can't think of a better shark movie, but I gotta say, Jaws 2 is probably, for all its faults, probably the uh, two or three of the best shark movies, uh, in my opinion. So, yeah. Which, you know, just tells you what shark movies <laughs> qualities are in general. But, you know. I mean, it's like Jaws <laughs> and Deep I, Blue Sea. I like, like th- those are the two. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like, I like the shallows. Oh, I like open The shallows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I do like the read. I haven't seen. The, yeah. I think it's pretty divisive because it's one of those ones where it's like, oh, they're filming with like real shark footage, but it's like superimposed. It's I like it, but I can see right. someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Brian, you haven't mentioned. You said, "Well, I think Jaws is my favorite," but I noticed you didn't mention Jaws: The Revenge. So, you, do you think after you oh. watch that movie, it might supersede Jaws as your favorite? No, bunch? definitely. Not. I saw sure I saw Jaws: The Revenge like right when it came out, and I actually oh, kind of loved it at the time. Mm-hmm. But I was only, you know, nine. That's uh, I, I went uh, back so... and rewatched all these a couple years ago, and I, I watched Jaws: The Revenge yeah. a lot as a kid. And it's the the thing with Jaws: The Revenge is it's boring. Like it's not. It is bad, yeah. but it's also boring, which is kind of the unforgivable part of it. The the only thing I remembered about it when I went back and watched because I watched it, you know, maybe a year, maybe two ago, mm-hmm. and uh, was the part where was it Sean gets his arms bitten yeah. off, which is just like the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> well, I, that freaked me out as a mm-hmm. kid, but now I see it and it's like, wow, that is really crazy. And then it follows them, which mm-hmm. is wild yeah. and. Michael Caine, you know, coming out of the sea and all of a sudden his shirt's dry and it's amazing. It's and the roaring shark. I, I don't know the shark roaring like a dragon. I mean, there's bold, bold choices in Jaws the Revenge. It takes so. some take some swings. Uh, Rachel, yeah. <laughs> Rachel, how about yourself? So I put off watching the, not just this one, all of them for like an embarrassingly long time because... I've had some some you know trauma surrounding Jaws as a child. What's funny is because my dad would sing the theme song, and he would you know like mm-hmm. playing around being a cute dad, you know, and would come after me, and it would be like, it he was like Jaws is gonna get you, and I had never seen Jaws, but like this tune and him like talking about Jaws became like a trigger for me and my whole family it's you know I love my family and they're but you know families can be jerks sometimes too like <laughs> teasing you and so whenever they would just like to get under my skin they would like see, sing the Jaws theme song and so I never actually saw them till I was I saw the original Jaws when I was like a teenager and then finally just watched all of the sequels like last year because I was like, I just got to get this out of the way. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, so fine. You're doing exposure therapy yeah. to get over the trauma your dad caused. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not actually scared of sharks, but it's, well, I mean, I say that, but I don't know if I go <laughs> swimming in the ocean, I might feel differently. But um, <laughs> it's just funny how that sort of made me never want to watch them just my family being silly family and doing that forever and but when I finally did see this one I was actually super impressed like just how well it kind of continued the Brody story and that there were so many of the original cast members that returned I wasn't necessarily expecting that and I just kind of expected garbage but I felt like I was like oh this is I got something decent here which was great and and then I watched Jaws 3 and was like okay 
Well, here that, we go. That's um, the thing. Jaws 3, it's like, you know, Jaws at SeaWorld should also be a lot more fun than that movie is. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I'm convinced SeaWorld was like, okay, you can do this, but like nobody can die, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially with that cast. You get Dennis Quaid! <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee, Lou Gossett Jr. coming off an Oscar for an officer right. and a gentleman, and yeah. this is what uh-huh. you get. Like, that is your... And Joe Alves, who had done production design mm-hmm. and a lot of the shooting for the first two Jaws, and this is what directs that, and this is what you get. And we'll, we'll yeah. talk about Jaws 3D more uh, next week. That should be a really fun <laughs> discussion as well. Uh, and what we could have gotten as well with Jaws 3, yeah. uh, we'll talk about that. And oh, one, of the, <laughs> one of the great, like, could have been. Jaws 3, people yep. zero. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> would have been amazing. Written by yeah. John Hughes. Joe Dante. And... <laughs> but, so for me, this, like, similar to Trace. Like, I watched this movie a ton as a kid. Like, I remember being, like, probably four or five years old. Well, it had to be at least five years old uh, at this point. And it being on TV all the time. Like, it being one of, like, ABC Network Movie of the Week. It was either Jaws or Jaws 2 pretty much every other week. And then early cable television would show Jaws 2 all of the time. I I mentioned this when we talked about Jaws, like the first two movies for the longest time, like blurred Mm. for me, like just all of them seemed, I I would just mix up parts of the two. I think what stood out was uh, the end of this movie with the shark getting electrocuted. Mm. And I remember having like Jaws 2, like trading cards as well growing up, having having stuff like that. And obviously Mm. the poster standing out. Um, I didn't watch this movie again, probably until about two years ago. We were staying on the Cape and, you know, every year on the 4th of July, we throw on Jaws and I decided I'm just going to watch all of these movies. Like I hadn't seen three since I was a kid, had never watched Jaws the Revenge. And I put on Jaws 2 and was a bit disappointed with that watch of it going, oh, and it's, it's hard. I think... I need like some space in between watching Jaws and Jaws 2. Like you need a little bit of a gap. It's hard to watch them back to back. It's kind of the Rocky 2 of the series and that it's really good, but it just does a lot of what the first one does not quite as well. So you need a little bit of space between them. Uh, the biggest difference between Rocky 2 and Jaws 2, obviously, is the shark doesn't win at the end, <laughs> unlike Rocky, which would have been <laughs> kind of amazing. Um, yeah. Researching... This episode, and and we'll talk about this in a second, how difficult this movie was to make. There was a lot of behind-the-scenes drama. The fact that it's as good as it is Mm -hmm. is kind Mm -hmm. of a miracle. And re-watching it for the show, uh, I really enjoyed especially re-watching it last night. Like, it all just kind of clicked. Like, the kids are the first time. I actually really like the teenagers mm-hmm. in this, even though I probably couldn't name most of them. I just gave most of yeah. them <laughs> nicknames, which we'll kind of discuss here in a little bit. Um, but let's talk about the background of this. Let's talk about how this movie got made and some of the difficulties with it. I mean, it seems like a foregone conclusion like Jaws is the biggest movie of all time upon its release. It seems like a foregone conclusion. They're going to follow it up though. This is a time when sequels aren't necessarily the norm. You basically have the planet of the eight movies. You have the Godfather two and I'm trying to think what other, uh, the French connection to and the exorcist to, but those are not very well regarded in terms of movies. <laughs> 
God, when we get to the heretic in a f- uh, next year at some point, that should be a fun <laughs> discussion. I, we may have to drink a lot during that. That's one of those ones too, where like I watched it and I was like, "This isn't good." And like a couple years ago, I tried to watch it again. And be like, you know what? I appreciate camp now because I'm mature and old. So maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll like this movie. No, it's also bad and boring. <laughs> <laughs> And they gave it, like, a special edition 4K, all of these, like, bonus features. Right. You think, like, maybe there's something here. And it's like, nope, still not there, <laughs> still not good. Not every movie needs a It's a sophomore a slump, release. right? Like, it's hard when something is so good and then you're just yep. overanalyzing every decision to the point where it actually just makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and that, yeah. too, like, the I mean, I know we're not talking extras, too, but, like, that's, like, the director of fucking Deliverance doing that movie. So, mm-hmm. like, the, the pedigree yeah. of that movie is yeah. all there. And you're just watching it like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. I was listening to the Movies That Made Me podcast, and William Friedkin was on, and he said he saw 40 minutes of The Exorcist 2 and declared it to be the worst movie ever made. Right. So um, <laughs> I, I think I think you got to make it to those end credits to say that you you got it because the, the, the thing is the thing is though he, he if anyone's earned the right sure. to say it. It's probably William Friedkin. I could see Friedkin like, like waving around his gun from the set of The Exorcist and shooting it right. off while watching this movie, just <laughs> shooting it at the screen. All right. So uh, anyway, uh, Robert Zanuck, uh, sorry, David Zanuck and Robert Brown, or I get that incorrect. Is it David Zanuck or Robert? Anyway, Zanuck and Brown, the producers of the original Jaws, they are approached to produce Jaws 2 and they reluctantly agree. They're kind of like, we don't really have any ideas for it, but if we don't do it, somebody else will. And they did feel a bit protective of it. And I'm sure also kind of realized there's a pretty good paycheck in them for as well with Jaws 2. Like they're not going to lose any money producing Jaws 2. Spielberg is approached to uh, come back to the directing chair for Jaws 2. Would anyone care to read the quotes I've put in here from Spielberg from the notes? If not, it's okay. Rachel, give me your best Spielberg. This is from the interview with the New York Times. (laughs) In an interview with the Times, what does he say about directing sequels? Yeah, I'm not not interested in sequels in general, and the Jaws sequel specifically. The original idea was an important one, but it was once and only shot. Why not make four new movies rather than, you know, rehashing an old one? That was an excellent impression of Spielberg. Like he was here with Also, us. I resent the fact that sequels are not new movies. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, he's mostly true to his work, mm-hmm. right? I mean, aside from Indiana Jones. The Lost World. Yeah. Indiana Jones and, and I, The Lost World, yeah. I kind of see Indiana Jones less as sequels and more as like mm-hmm. serial adventures. Yeah. Too, where The Lost World. Yes, and I, I see your face, Trace. I see that face. I mean, I, I, I could agree with that with maybe Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. I don't even think Last Crusade. Because, I mean, Temple of Doom is a prequel. But, like, uh, King of the Crystal Skull and Dial of Destiny are directly paying off plot beats from the previous film. Okay. So. I guess, I guess it would have been hard to make a sequel to Lincoln as well. Like that would have been a hard one. So Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah. Oh. Abraham Lincoln Vampire. That could have been know, good. That's that would be the only way right. to bring him back, I guess. Yeah. But for the most part, considering everything he's made, he does kind of try to move on. And at the San Francisco Film Fest, he tells the audience, sequels are little more than a cheap carny trick, which is... That's wild. like... That's... I don't... 
that's, fuck you, Spielberg. I don't agree with that. Yeah, like. Well, he was he was at the age of hubris here. He was about yeah. to make 1941, and sure, uh, <laughs> get taken down a peg. <laughs> it's and it gets he's saying it at the time too, where sequels are definitely not the norm like they are now. Like now, movies don't get made unless there's at least a trilogy. And them, yeah. I mean, it's like if we can't make three of them, then we're not going to make a single one at all. So I kind of admire that. And really, what it boils down to, like Spielberg, at one point, like when when we talk about the first director who's removed, he actually did take like a week to consider how he would do Jaws two. He actually did give it some consideration uh, as a kind of just like, well, maybe I owe it to like Zanuck Brown and Scheinberg because they did help really make my career. And he sat down for a week and he just couldn't, aside from maybe doing like the one of the ideas we'll talk about, he couldn't come up with something that he felt worthy of following up the first movie. And then the thought of going back out and shooting on the water for months, mm-hmm. he just couldn't see. It just filled him with panic and dread. He's like, I'm not going through that. Well, that's again. the thing, too. Like uh, that story, which I think is a really cool concept, is yeah, you're on the it's basically a boat movie. Like you're just on the water the whole time. Mm-hmm. But do y'all remember that we did get a movie about that with Nicolas Cage a few years ago? Yep. No, <laughs> I do not. Oh, we there, sure there did. Is, yeah. <laughs> I, I never saw it, but I heard about um, it. Does Nick Cage play the shark? No, so it's 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 <laughs> it's in like 2016 and it's called USS Indianapolis Men yeah. of Courage and it's got Thomas Jane and Jaws the Revenges Mario Van Peebles, but by all accounts, it is atrocious. <laughs> There's a made-for-TV version of it, too, mm. that's out there. I can't recall the name of it, but it was like a TV movie of the week as well for that. It's It really boils down to Spielberg not wanting to go back out in the water again, like which you can't really blame him for after all of the... After all the difficulties making that first movie, mm-hmm. that would be a tough. That'd be a tough road up. Howard Sackler comes back to write the script. He had written a rough draft of the first Jaws, uncredited. He pitches the idea of doing the USS Indianapolis story for a second movie. It's rejected for being a bit too dark. Oh, it's so dark. Um, that's because yeah. st- it's like, well, it's that's true. I know <laughs> like, it's a it true happened, story. <laughs> and you know, it's military personnel, like oh, you know, which is sensitive for a lot of people so yeah that doesn't surprise me that that got rejected yeah. at all yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who would who would want to go out for that right like jaws 2 mm. you're expecting a bit more of the same and you get this historical well, drama like that would be a but story. also wouldn't you get like wouldn't you need to have robert shaw back in that film i don't think mm. so because it's 30 years prior it's oh like right well i'm sorry so... but you would have the robert shaw character in the yeah. film <laughs> yes yeah. yeah you would have quint in the yeah. film yeah it would yeah. have to be. Uh, I'm sure you could like kind of bookend it with um, the speech <laughs> footage from Jaws and the speech. And then I guess you would end it with him getting eaten by the shark God. and really send audiences home happy. You know, it, that would be kind of like interesting, though, because like the shark would kind of win in the end, right? <laughs> well, that's, like, no, so, so, so you, you open with the speech and yeah. then you, you have the, the Indianapolis movie mm-hmm. and then it's like, you know, okay, so Shaw, uh, Quint's one of the survivors with however many other people and he's like, all right, cool, I never want to see a shark again and then you just immediately cut to him getting chomped <laughs> yeah. by the shark. <laughs> like, what is a positive way to end this movie? Like, <laughs> there isn't one. <laughs> you could maybe like, even like, 
have some indication it's one of the same sharks from the sharks, yeah, exactly. I mean, to be fair though, yeah. these Jaws movies just end. Like the first movie ends with uh, Brody and Hooper like on a fucking like plank of wood mm-hmm. paddling back to shore. Right. I still don't believe they actually would have made it back to shore. Those fuckers would have like died from exposure or drowned. Yeah, they're not that far out. I I disagree. That's the thing we forget. <laughs> far enough. It's when you when you look at how far out they are, they're not like you can see. Like when you the turn the yeah. other way, you can see the land. Like that was one of the difficulties in shooting and that they didn't ever want to show the land, but it wasn't that far out. But that means, okay, but that means within the world of the film, they are meant to be further out <laughs> than they actually yes. are. Well, by the end of the credit, he did it more just to give that suggestion of like, we're not, you don't want to show, like if you can see the land mm. as an audience, you're going to be like, well, they're not that bad. You do exactly what we're saying right. right now. But if you watch the credits of Jaws all the way through, it ends with them like on shore. Like they've actually yep. paddled all the way back during the credits. I don't think I've ever actually yep. watched Jaws all the way either. to the end of the credits. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, there we go. And, and yeah, you can... You can really, you can't really see it until you, unless you get the film. Uh, to be honest, it's pretty. Oh, they're like dim. little dots on the uh, beach. <laughs> they're little, pretty much. Uh, I was saw it in the theater in that 3D mm-hmm. re-release, and 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 I and I made my son watch it all the way through with me. He's like, you can see them. They're getting up. Oh, there that's they are. funny. So, yeah. and the other thing too is before phones, like people exercise and shit. Like people, like they worked out. So you know, like Brody for like being a chain smoker, like probably has better cardio fit. No, it definitely is better cardio fitness than me. Like half of my body is made of sausage. So, so anyway, Sackler uh, goes back and rewrites a script based on what Sid Sheinberg says, he says audiences want like another adventure with the Brodies and a man eating shark. I think the quote I read from Sheinberg is somewhere along the lines of like, if you have friends over and serve them fish and they love the fish, the next time they come over, you serve fish again. You don't serve like spaghetti. Mm. Like you want to give them more of what they actually want. Like yeah. that's his idea of sequels. So, so who do we get to film a follow-up to the highest grossing movie of all time to that point. You get John Hancock, not the gentleman with the large signature on the Declaration of Independence. A lot of historical allusions in this part so far today. Uh, He comes on after the success of his first two feature films, uh, the psychological horror, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, which is amazing, and Bang the Drums Slowly, which I've never seen, but I've heard great things. And I think it's the... First, like, Robert De Niro, like, starring vehicle. Like, he'd appeared in Mean Streets, I know, but I think Bang the Drum Slowly is his first real kind of starring showcase. And I always thought this was really interesting, because I was like, why are you going to get this guy who's done, like, some indie horror film, like, from 71, to do this? But then I think, well, Spielberg didn't have, like, a huge film au revoir before doing this. You know, he did Duel and uh, Sugarland Express, and then it was Jaws. So I was like, I guess it's not that far out of the realm, but you would think for a sequel to the biggest movie ever made, they would look for a director with a little bit more under his Mm -hmm. belt. Yeah. We still do that now. Like we see these indie horror directors Mm -hmm. like come up and then they get, I I know it took a lot longer, but look at like Sam Raimi who does like these evil dead Mm -hmm. movies and dark man. And then he's doing Spider-Man, you know, and it's kind of like what the guy that did the evil dead is going to do Spider-Man. And I know he had more under his belt, but I think you get, these guys that can make small movies and probably if you're a studio, you probably think you can exert a lot more control 
of these persons as well. Like yeah. it's okay, they're going to be kind of under your thumb a little bit. So I also wonder if it has anything to do with it being a genre picture too. Just the fact that like maybe they're like, oh, it did really well, but like, meh. you know, well, you know, it's not like necessarily looked at the same way as if it were like some yeah. other kind of giant film that had a bit more quote-unquote prestige i i don't even disagree with you but then that goes whole, back into the whole conversation where it's like is jaws a horror film Which, oh, no yeah, it's a it. killer shark movie like <laughs> yeah. it's a horror film like come on yeah. but whatever i digress I, <laughs> I i said this way back when it chapter one came out and there was a lot of discourse from persons not in the horror community well is it actually a horror oh, elevated and i'm like if it's, it's opening it's scene supernatural exactly uh, but honestly yeah. though like it's that's features. that's why we, I, I never like to have those debates about is it like jurassic park is it horror for me yeah it's about yes. fucking killer dinosaurs yep. but that's why honestly i've kind of moved into the the, the genre label I'm like it's a genre film yes. like it covers all-encompassing like thriller suspense horror whatever they're yeah. all in the same sandbox mm-hmm Horror is a massive umbrella, mm-hmm. probably more so than any other genre. Like you can do horror allows you to sneak in so many other genres into it. You just can't call it, it horror. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's any movie that features like a ten year old boy getting eaten by a shark in front of his mother is a horror movie. I don't care if the rest of the movie features just circus clowns throwing pies at one another <laughs> and getting hit with footballs <laughs> well, in the balls. I think that's you know? why, that's though, it's like, because Jaws has such a... It, it is a character-driven film, and so I think that's what throws people off. Even with Jaws 2, I think Jaws 2 has it, not as much character work, but, like, it's there. And I yeah. think, especially at the time, critics, you know, they're like, oh, well, horror films are, like, lowbrow. Like, they're just about the killing. So this yes. can't be a horror film because it cares about its characters. Yeah. You see that in these early horror movies. So you see that when, when horror started to become something that wasn't just going to get dumped into drive-in theaters or exploitation theaters. Like you see like John Carpenter with Halloween. Like he sets up half of the movie with his characters with following Jamie Lee Curtis and PJ Souls and Nancy Loomis mm-hmm. around. Like you want to like these characters before horrible things happen to them. Even Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you spend like a, good amount of time with all of those kids in the van so you feel like you really know all of them before all of the mayhem starts and they're disposed of and i think those are to me always the best horror movies well and that's actually really interesting that you bring up texas chainsaw because i even remember both when i first saw jaws and when i first saw texas chainsaw i actually thought they were really boring because again i'm like oh texas chainsaw massacre like it's about a bunch of people getting killed by chainsaws and it takes a while for that to start happening and same with jaws like there are really brutal kills in jaws but they're spaced out between this two plus hour runtime agree and it's and when i'm younger i think i had the first same reaction to texas Mm -hmm. chainsaw massacre because i remember my best friend's dad saying, oh, I went on a date with that with my, you know, his now wife. Like it was one of their first dates. And he said he ran out of the theater and threw up. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I was so excited mm-hmm. when I finally turned 18 to watch Texas Chainsaw. And I remember watching it with friends being like, this is it? Like, are you sure? Yeah. And now to me, it's the perfect horror movie and probably mm-hmm. the scariest movie of all time. It's amazing how like our tastes shift as we kind of get older a little bit. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so what does Hancock want to do with this movie? So Hancock and Sackler want to really explore the aftermath of Jaws. What would it be like if your town became Shark Town and then the once thriving community of Amity, it becomes a ghost town? So in the original draft of this movie, all the stores are shuttered up. 
Like uh, most of the businesses have gone out of business. Uh, there's beachfront property standing completely empty with for sale signs on them. The town is basically in ruin. And Quint's son was going to turn up in the original script and claim he wants the $10,000 reward for killing the shark in his father's place. He's like, heck, my dad killed the shark or helped kill it. Uh, I am due that money as his heir. Uh, Hancock envisioned as, as the guy who filmed Let's Scare Jessica to Death, as you think he would want to do. It's a much darker, it's a much more psychological horror movie. I, if I remember correct, there are scenes in it where uh, Brody is envisioning sharks everywhere. Like he just basically is always seeing mm. sharks every time he sees any body of water. It's like the land shark, the SNL skit. Where, like somebody's at the door. Right. I was going to say, it's like Jurassic Park 3 when the raptor's like, Alan! Yeah. And we have the shark like, Brody! Candy Graham. <laughs> oh my god. I will Great. say though, um, as much as I love the current iteration of Jaws 2, I, I would prefer to have that version of the movie. The original, darker, Ooh. like ghost town version. Because I think it's more yeah. interesting. Yeah, it is. I would agree. Yeah, I think so too. I would absolutely agree with that. Um, it is a lot more violent. Like, is this one, although the body count is definitely higher in Jaws 2 than Jaws 1, I think the original script, it's double. Mm. Uh, there's a character named Bob, and they named him that as a joke because he's literally bitten in half, and oh, his gosh, upper torso is, like, bobbing in the water. Well, so Bob, Bob okay, I'm sorry, I may be jumping ahead a little bit, but the mm -hmm. girl that plays Jackie, everyone fucking hates her because she screams a lot. And yes. there's a shot at the end of the movie where, you know, like, you know, it's when all the kids are kind of swimming towards Cable Junction, and it just cuts to Jackie, and she's like, ah, ah, ah! The reason for that is because Bob is a character who does die. He dies, and they removed his death from the film. So she's actually reacting mm -hmm. to seeing Bob die. But in the okay. final version of the film, we're like, what the fuck is she screaming she's at? Nothing's freaky. happening. Yeah. <laughs> right. That doesn't do Jackie's... Because Jackie is one of the more annoying characters in this movie. It's I will defend I Jackie. With the boat. We'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. I could have done with five minutes less. And I think if that scene is in there then you can understand her freaking out a bit more. Yeah. Uh, I thought Jackie was, re I'm sorry, I thought Bob was replaced by Eddie, so I did not know that. about. It's because Eddie and Bob, because uh, is Eddie the character who's um, played by Christine Boy? Um, no, I think Eddie no, is like it's the... not. No, that's not. Oh, that, oh sorry, e Eddie is Tina's boyfriend. No, no, no. So there's a, yeah. there's a guy with a hat. And if you Google Bob Death Jaws 2, because the only thing that exists from this deleted scene is a still of Bob, like, on his boat, like, as it's sinking, and the shark's, like, charging towards him. That's the only thing you can find in this okay. scene. I will definitely look for that afterwards. Uh, you're right, Keith Gordon. Keith Gordon is one half of the Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. That's how I named it in my <laughs> script. So, uh, and he's great for the little that he's in here in this. Mm -hmm. um, I love Keith yeah. Gordon. Yeah, he's hard. I just rewatched Christine lately, uh, not that long ago. And, he's man. a little bit of an incel in this, but that's... <laughs> well, he's also an incel yeah. in Christine. <laughs> that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> What? Oh, man, is there a reason why Keith Gordon was getting typecast <laughs> in these roles? It's just the way he looks. I, I think it's, yeah. you know, we're looking at these things differently now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So Hancock begins filming June of 1977 on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, this time around, like the vineyard's mostly going to be used for exteriors and setup shots, where the bulk of the filming is actually going to take place around Pensacola, Florida. Uh, but they do want to do some of the exteriors on the vineyard to kind of give it that ma matching look for Jaws 1. 
uh, which helps, I think. I think they're, one of the things I'll say is you can tell when this movie shifts between Massachusetts and Florida. Like, I'm from <laughs> here, so it's really obvious yeah. to me. But I think you can tell the hotel scene in particular. You're like, that doesn't look like any of the flora that you would ever see in New England. Right. Like, it's way too drama. Oh, I didn't. I didn't um, catch that. Yeah, I, 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 I was I, like, okay. I'm not from that area. So. I can't say I've ever paid attention to the flora in the, my surrounding areas. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, like in Halloween, when you see palm trees, you're like, wait a minute, there are no palm trees in Illinois, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. So that kind of I thing. I do that when I saw Megan, when I saw mm-hmm. um, Insidious, I was like, this was not filmed in Seattle. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. There are no palm trees up here. I was going to say, I think it's and just what you're they familiar They shot those with. in Australia. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, Unfortunately, after about a month of filming and about 18 months spent on pre-production, Hancock is called into a meeting with Zanuck and Brown, and he's promptly fired. Uh, He and his his wife, screenwriter Dorothy Tristan, immediately head to Rome to vacation, and production shuts down completely for over a month. So it was hard to pin down like a singular reason for Hancock's firing, but there's a number of stories out there. Like It really depends on what you read. The number one thing that came up a few times was uh, Dorothy Tristan. Basically, Hancock tells her, like, why don't you rewrite Sackler's script? Like, give this a, another Passover. But he doesn't consult Sackler before he does that. And he doesn't consult Universal Studios before that. So Sackler is insulted. Like, wait, why are you rewriting my script without like a prompt from the studio telling you to do so? And that was considered a massive insult. Mm-hmm. Universal wasn't thrilled either. Um, less than a month into shooting, schedule hit the schedule had already fallen way behind. Um, in the press, Hancock is going to like rightly blame the mechanical shark, saying that just like in the first film, it's going to maybe work one out of every three shots, and everyone's time is wasted. And the first Jaws went way over budget and way over time as well. The difference being. Spielberg shot all of the stuff on land first and he maybe lost two or three days altogether. It wasn't until they went onto the water that shooting fell far behind. So Universal, they're a month into shooting and this they're already way, way behind and they're kind of freaking out at this point. Like if they're already this far behind, what's going to happen down the road? So they're like, we can't let this balloon out of control. Um, There's talk that Hancock, this being his first really like spectacle movie with a large cast, a large budget and the heavy expectations of following up the number one movie of all time. Like he was showing strain on set from all the pressure. This one I really liked. Mm -hmm. Um, Scheinberg was pushing Hancock to have Lorraine Gary have a much larger role in the climax of the movie. He wanted his wife like out there in the ocean with Brody more, and he wanted her more involved in the rescue of the kids. And Zanuck gets wind of that, and there's a power struggle between Scheinberg and Zanuck. Like they are basically arguing over the profits of Jaws. Like they're going back and forth over who gets what cut of the profits. So some things never change. Yeah. And Zanuck gets wind of this. He's like, he hits the roof. He's like, there's no fucking way this is going to happen. Okay, so here's the thing, though. I actually think that's a big mistake because one of my favorite parts of Jaws 2 actually is the the marital relationship yes. between Brody and his wife. Like, there's a part in the film where she's just, like, want to fool around. And I'm like, that's, that's such, like, a casual... I yeah. love that because that is how a lot of couples, like, 
start having sex. And yeah, it always rubs me the wrong way when she just goes back with Tina. I'm like, bitch, this isn't your daughter. Like, your kid is out there. Yeah, well, you know what else? Yeah, the her little's kid is out yes! there. Yes! It also bothers me yeah. that she's wearing a skirt the whole time. And I feel like that's incredibly, un, like, but that's a wardrobe well, that's issue. Well, that's 70 sexism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't know that Sean's out there yet, though. Well, she at right? least knows that Mike is out there. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the thing that we, we only have one kid, so I don't know this for sure. But I think about if you have multiple kids, like if one of them, you know, you lose one, you got. Oh, you're fine. But I think, like, <laughs> I'm, I just have to. You know? Okay, so Brody goes out there, like he sees that Mike's hurt, and he's like, "You guys go back and go get help, right?" And then he was going to go save the rest of their friends. He should have put his younger son in the boat with the other son. (laughs) Why would you leave this, like, eight-year-old kid? (laughs) If they're going back, put the little kid in the boat. Or... No, he, he wasn't there. He well, then wasn't, I know teens. Okay, then I blame then, the teens. They no. should have known better. <laughs> no, 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 yes. no, 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 no. Because they're all in the group because it's after Mike, like, yeah. you know, gets his concussion. Like, oh, my God, we got to get Mike back to shore. And it's like, okay, there's enough room on that boat yeah. for this get little Get him out of here. Remove him from the equation. <laughs> I think the the, wor- the fear was because they're all kind of like together in that clump, except for the boat that was getting my A. I think they're scared. Like, if we row over to him, the shark's going to pop up. And B... Um, what if we just sail into him? I agree. Like, you know, I should have gotten the okay. little kid on the boat. I mean, again, like, I love this movie, but no, it is, we need Sean was, on the water to yeah. make the stakes higher. I was going to say, that, that, that girl yeah, who all died would probably appreciate I, it if Sean had gone away. <laughs> oh, and I'm sorry, like, I'm 34 now, or if I was fucking 17 years old, I would not be risking my life to save some eight-year-old that I don't fucking what? know. <laughs> uh, I think I, when I, when I was... When I was rewatching this with my wife, I was like, what I would do is like use Sean as bait. Brutal. Like, throw Sean in the water. <laughs> Clash and then Mike as he's eaten, swim. Yeah. Yeah. She is. agreed. I mean, my wife is like, yeah, that's a pretty smart move. Also, that kid was a shithead. He was going to tell on Mike Mike for like yes. leaving. But yeah. nevertheless. Dad, you know, and he's like, yeah. What a but going punk. back to the Lorraine Garyville, I just, I, I would have liked to have seen the dynamic. Again, seeing Brody and his wife spend more time together. Yeah. And dealing with this because Mrs. Brody missed all that shit in yeah. the first movie. Yeah. She has the worst send off in the first movie. Like when you watch her run and her arms are kind of like flapping out, like, eh, it's like, that's not a good. She's like Cindy Campbell. Send-off. I'm not let's, crazy. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's save a little bit of the Martin and Ellen talk for the meet because I do want to talk. I think that is one of the highlights of the of the movie. I do want to talk more about that, but I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I found an interview with. Uh, Hancock from at the site LukeFord.net, like way back in 2002, he talks about that tension between Scheinberg and Zanuck and getting caught up in it. He's like, basically says, I was fired on Jaws 2. I was Dick Zanuck's choice for it after he and Sidney Scheinberg still had scores to settle on the overages profit sharing on the first Jaws. Scheinberg had my wife and I over to dinner. She was writing the screenplay. Scheinberg made a strong case that his wife, Lorraine Gary, who played Roy Scheider's wife in the first Jaws, should go out on a boat in the second Jaws to rescue the kids. We went back and relayed this to Zanuck, he said, over my dead body. And then when 
he goes on. He's like, well, I have to pick a side here. He's like, well, Zanuck is just some lawyer producer. Like, he's not that important. And Scheider is one of the heads of Universal. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go with what he says. And he's like, I chose, I chose poorly. He says once he started to shoot more stuff with Lorraine Gary, like Zanuck ices him out at that point, like mm-hmm. wouldn't even talk to him. Um, the other thing that's argued is like the footage like Hancock actually shoots looks like hot garbage. Like it's like Verna Fields says it's out of focus. You can't see their heads. Like he's shooting an art film. Like what's going on here? Uh, Janos Swark, who will direct this movie, who will talk about it. He says, yep, I poured through all the footage to see like, what can we actually use from this? Cause it, it behooves him to be able to use some of it to make it easier. He's like, we could use about eight seconds That's of funny. footage. That's <laughs> funny. Of the movie, and I, I wasn't quite sure what eight seconds it was. I think I don't it's the know. There's a scene the where yeah, the, the... Um, Brody's like walking up the steps into I don't know if it's mm-hmm. like the station or something, but the like up above the text is like very clearly out of focus. <laughs> and I, so I, the, I okay. wonder. It's like well, I I don't think that was a choice. Yeah. I think that shot is just out of focus, <laughs> but. Playing the cinematographer, then, not the director. (laughs) But he's ultimately the guy. He's ultimately the guy that is just responsible for everything. And he's making these choices. Uh, Joe Alves and editor Verna Fields, like, they pitch to co-direct the movie once Hancock is fired. But they're turned down by the Directors Guild Association. Uh, I think because, A, there was a rule, like, you can't replace a director that's part of the DGA if you're not a member of the DGA. Um, and I think that Verna Fields obviously was not a member of the DGA. Like she was an editor by trade. So they're actually, their request is turned yeah. down. I think there were also rules for a long time that you couldn't have co-directors mm. on a movie. That's why the Coen yep. brothers always listed themselves as directed sure. by Joel and produced by Ethan or mm, whatever yeah. it was. I feel so, like even now there's something like that. I feel like radio silence is like talked about there. There's like a limit to like how many directors you can it's have. The, so like some people are listed as producers, but it's like they were really yeah. directors. That's like a DGA issue then I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that Tristan, she lobbies and she actually like goes to arbitration with the writers guild saying look i deserve a writer's credit on this because she's not credited it's only sackler and carl gottlieb and she's rejected like she's like no like you didn't do enough work in this and you weren't commissioned to do it your ideas weren't really used so she gets like no credit and therefore Hmm. no residuals from this movie either um in terms of casting, we'll talk about who they actually went with like for direct directing in a moment. But as they're casting this movie, Robert Shaw is out for obvious reasons. Uh, they don't do the thing where they're like, oh, he has a twin brother, uh, Splint, who is going to be on. <laughs> who's also a sharker. Um, when they're negotiating contracts for the first movie, no one's thinking about a sequel then. No one thinks to lock up Richard Dreyfus for a future installment. So he goes off and makes Close Encounters with Spielberg instead of coming back for Jaws 2. Roy Schneider is the odd man out for this one. So he is under contract with Universal for three movies after Jaws. First up, he does Sorcerer. It's William Friedkin's follow-up to The Exorcist, and it should be a massive hit, right? It is not. It gets swallowed up by Star Wars. (laughs) 
And the opening act of the movie confuses audiences. Like they thought they were in a foreign film because the first act of the movie is in like mm. multiple languages. <laughs> and they actually, when Sorcerer came out in theaters, like studios actually wound up sending like poster cards to theaters, like telling audiences the first 20 minutes of this movie, they're going to hear multiple languages. It's okay. You're That's in the funny. right movie. I love that movie. That movie's amazing. Masterpiece. I think like Stephen King yeah, has said that's his favorite movie. Scheider like spends a lot of his own money promoting his performance in The Sorcerer, Sorcerer thinking it's going to win him awards and it doesn't. He quits his second movie, mm-hmm. The Deer Hunter, after his character's role has changed because <laughs> uh, originally it's going to be the person who is staying back in Vietnam and that ends up being uh, Christopher Walken's character in Walken, I believe, wins Brutal. the Academy Award for that. <laughs> So Shiner yes, like walks off the movie. So he's still in on the hook with Universal for two movies and he's doesn't seem like the best guy to work with. He seems pretty persnickety. And Universal knows they have him now. So they just start sending him offers for movies like they know he'll never take. Like just really awful movies that he'll turn down sight on sight on unseen. And they sweeten the deal for him by saying, like, if you come back for Jaws 2, we'll count those as two movies and we'll let you out of your contract. So at that point, he's like, all right, I've got to do it. But there's footage of the uh, Scheider doing like press for Jaws 2. And they're like, well, how is Jaws to film? It's like a lot of fun. How is Jaws 2? Like no fun at all. Like, just right up front. He does not want to be there. That's really interesting because, I mean, because the, the production of Jaws 1 is notoriously, like, horrible because the shark keeps breaking. So you always hear Spielberg talk about it. But I, when it comes to, yeah, because we all, we've heard this about Scheider and Jaws 2. And it's kind of a thing where I'm like, I'm surprised to hear him say that Jaws 1 was so much fun to film because I feel like that's a lie. <laughs> I think it's less about the movie and more about all the other stuff quitting movies and roles and right. maybe a little bit yeah. well because even swark said you know like w- when they started filming yeah shider was kind of a dick to work with but yeah. once he got he like got into fight. it he was fine yeah yeah rachel you were oh i was there. just I like everything that's happening behind the scenes i feel like probably tainted it mm-hmm. so much more yeah. than other but i will say yeah. yeah considering how openly he has been like negative towards this film I thought his performance didn't really show that. <laughs> like, I, I don't yeah, feel like good. he, like, phoned yeah. it in. Yeah. It was just like, mm-hmm. fuck you guys. Like, I do no. feel like he actually put out yeah. a pretty good performance. <laughs> yeah. He's a professional. Only, I, I have one point in this performance we'll talk about when we do, like, the, the meat of the movie. Mm. But he does not phone it in. Him and Swark, like, they get in a fist fight on set. Like, they get to the point where... They come to blows, and I think, like, Fields actually had to get between the two of them, and she, like, bodied Scheider, like, just sat on him and, like, would not let him up. Uh, And I think, like, Zanuck had to hold Swark back. And I think they made up after that, and Scheider says, well, it's not really about you. It's really about um, everything else going on at this point. And, like, he was, like, kind of a jerk to Lorraine Gary. He's like, I don't want to be affectionate with her. Like, no, why do I have to do this? Mm -hmm. Like, really being a dick to everybody. (laughs) And he just spends the whole set, like, working on his tan. Like, just getting a real leathery look. He looks real leathery. Yeah. (laughs) He does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How do I pronounce this name? I'm going to, I say Jeannot Swark, but I think I'm way off. No, there. I think you're, I have definitely like YouTube, like how to pronounce Jeannot Swark. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll go with it. Yeah. He's, he's brought in a direct. Carl Gottlieb is brought back to rewrite the script. Uh, Swark also got a start in TV with shows like Night Gallery. Uh, his feature film, Bug, was released the same day as Jaws 1. Uh, that was his feature film debut. So it got kind of swallowed up in the wake of Jaws' success. Godlieb, like he lightens the tone of the movie. He puts a much greater emphasis on the kids. Uh, he talks about being hounded when he's writing Jaws 2. Like he's locked in a hotel room in Florida. All the cast and crew are in the same hotel. And every time he would step out of his room, hey, how's the script coming? How's the script coming? He'd go to the bar. The bartender's like, how's Jaws 2 coming along? He's like, this sucks. He's like, I got to get away from this. So he would just barricade himself in his room to write. Um, like Jaws, it is a very difficult shoot. Uh, Swark is definitely not a less is more guy. He wants to show the shark as much as humanly possible. And to be fair, it would be pretty difficult to do what Spielberg did and hide the shark from audiences, right? Yeah. Like, you kind of have to show it. Yeah, it's it's kind of a thing for me where it's like... I don't know if you like uh, with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake how it looks. It's it's you know it looks more sleek and clean. But even though it's the mm -hmm. same cinematographer as the original film, and people are like, well, why didn't you do it the same way? And he's like, yeah. I already shot this one way. Why the fuck would I want to shoot the same movie yeah. the same way again? And that's how I feel about right. this. Like, yeah, is it less effective to show this shark as much? Absolutely. But if he had copied Spielberg, then we'd all just be saying he's copying Spielberg. I also think it would have been. Yeah. Honestly, Agreed. I feel like it would have been boring. It's just like, I don't know, like, yeah. we're, we're here yeah. for the shark now, 100%. Mm -hmm. And I feel mm -hmm. like they mm -hmm. tease it just enough, but I'm I, I'm happy when I see the shark. I, I yeah. almost think that when the shark first makes its appearance in that water skier scene, that's honestly a big surprise the first time you see it. You're right. like, oh, shit, like, we're just yeah. going right yep. into this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Unless you do a different animal, and that's a huge surprise. It's like not actually a shark, but <laughs> well, and that, you can't do that every but time. But that's also where, I mean, again, look, as much as I say I would love to see the original version of this movie that was darker and more horror-like leaning, the fact that it that Jaws 2 does become more of an action-adventure film, I think it works then yeah. that, you have, that you're have you showing the shark so much. Because it's, it doesn't lighten the tone, but it makes, I mean, your, your goal isn't really suspense right. in this film. Yeah. You get excited every time you see the shark. Mm -hmm. It's right? thrilling. I mean, it's... Yeah, I agree. It's I a cool looking shark. I love the design mm -hmm. of the shark. I, I, it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the burn scar and everything. I was going to ask, where are yeah. we on the burns for this? Well, but that's the thing, though, is, I mean, we can talk about the slasheriness more as we get into the third act, but, like, again, it's, it's not an actual slasher film, obviously. It's a shark movie. But immediately we're like, oh, we're giving the shark, like, a facial feature mm -hmm. or a mask. And for a movie that opens, what, three or four months before Halloween comes out and kind of mm -hmm. sets the stage for the slasher genre... It's it's oddly yes. prescient in that way. Well, and the yeah. teens and like there's so many elements of this mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, I would have sworn this came out like after Friday the 13th. Like and it was I 100. Yeah, I oh, thought yeah. like when looking stuff up, it's like, oh, they had to have been playing Even, off of that trend. And it's like, oh, wait, this came out before all of those. Like before so all of smart. it. Like <laughs> Even <laughs> Even down to like one of the characters who's like the horny yep. one is the one that gets eaten. Mm -hmm. Like before, you know, Halloween does that like that is so you would think that this would come out in the wake of Halloween but it predates it by a solid yeah. three or four months I will say too I mean like even like with the, the Eddie death like you would think because yeah they're being punished for being slutty teenagers uh, you would think that Tina would yeah. be the one to die but I like that mm -hmm. they killed the boy instead I, I would definitely talk more yeah. about those elements just shortly here um, 
Filming takes place right off the coast of Florida on Navari Beach from August 1st until December 22nd. And in order to finish this movie, Swark had to film 22 days straight to get everybody home for Christmas. And we're going to go seven days a week for the last three weeks. He did his best to keep the set pretty light. Like every Saturday they would throw parties at the hotel. Cause he's like, look, we need to let our, everybody cut loose. Mm-hmm. Like he knew how hard it was to like, he, he honestly seemed like he did a really good job keeping the cast loose, especially with all those teenagers. Um, the teens in this movie, like they all talk about like one of the teens is a former Massachusetts governor and former democratic presidential candidate michael dukakis like it's his son john dukakis is one of them um he just talked everyone just got high and fucked and like basically on set all the time ricky schroeder was originally tapped to play sean he is fired after uh swark takes over he's replaced with mark gilpin who plays sean years later gilpin's hired as a recurring character on Silver Spoons, the sitcom that Schroeder <laughs> is uh, stars in, and sh- allegedly Schroeder's mom is so still so pissed off at Gilpin taking over for her son that she has him fired on Silver Spoons. That's right kind of, I mean, well, luckily Schroeder has the champ coming out like the year after this, so mm-hmm. he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's okay. He did okay for himself in the end. Oh, it's also a really complicated shot, like the helicopter. That is a very complicated. Mm-hmm thing to shoot a cable junction which is one of the sets they built it's like a floating set that's anchored down in the ocean it loses its moorings at one point and just starts floating off towards cuba so they have to like rescue the set i want to talk about john williams he returns for the score in this and i don't think it can be overstated how important like him coming back is mm-hmm. to help this film succeed. I love this score. Like John Williams did not have to go as hard as he did. Like it's still very familiar, but he adds enough new flourishes that I mean like there's um my favorite music cue in the film is when Mike um, knocks his head and falls in the water and they're trying to pick him up and the sharks, you know, the cameras on the sharks back and they have these trumpets mm-hmm. that are just like do 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 love it. <laughs> yeah, no it's, it's so great. good and but I love that he yeah, introduces new elements. Like, they didn't pull a thing where it's like, like with Death Wish, where it's like, oh, you just literally reused the exact same reused. cues and just like stuck them mm-hmm. in there and didn't even properly right. hire mm-hmm. him to come back or anything. But that's another thing. But John Williams at his best, I mean, he makes any movie he writes for yeah. better. I mean, he makes Space <laughs> yeah, Camp that's true. better. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it, there. So, I mean, yeah, I, it, this is one. This is you know sort of at the height of his abilities, and yeah. um, so uh, it really does I make a huge difference. It feels like an evolution of the first score rather than a rehash, which I really. And I think he understood that this mm-hmm. one was maybe a little bit more playful because there's some moments in it where it's like, oh, this is just mm-hmm. like kind of fun, silly, like almost like mm-hmm. campy music, or like when they're when they're showing all like the tourists at the beach, like it's really kind of just. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's fun, and it's like, oh, he understood that, like, this is a little bit different than the first one, and I'm going to, like, I don't know, expand upon those moments and wasn't afraid to do that, which was nice. 
I'm so interestingly enough the first film the score for the first film is kind of what trained me as a movie Mm -hmm. viewer as a child to learn when score signifies what's going to happen because there's parts in the first movie you know I'm watching the first movie as a kid I'm fucking terrified but when they first like the three men go out the boat it's like this really adventure like almost pirate type score and I remember as a kid being like oh this means that nothing bad's gonna happen right now so (laughs) I can like relax for a bit He does something, too, when he introduces the teens in this movie, and it's this really high-spirited, it's fun, it's like out on the beach Mm -hmm. type of, like out on the water music. He incorporates like the two notes, the da-dum, da-dum, but it's really fast and sped up and playful. Mm -hmm. So it kind of signifies like these kids have no idea what sort of danger they're actually in, and also kind of like gives sort of idea like later on, like these two things are going to intersect like the kids and the shark are going to intersect with one another but it's not done in a scary way in its introduction and i really love that and rachel we didn't have you on for jaws but could you speak a little bit about what you think it is that makes williams like so special as a composer because i said in the first movie like he's our beethoven like he's the modern day equivalent of a of mozart or beethoven but i don't know actually i have two music specialists here like brian you as well like what is it about the way williams composes that sets him apart and makes him so special i mean he's a master of themes like he Mm -hmm. he manages to Mm -hmm. boil things down Mm -hmm. and just like encapsulate you know the spirit of a film in a really powerful theme and for for jaws it's something very simple very primal very like driving like he it's he looks at things very thoughtfully i feel like stories and he becomes inspired by that and creates just i mean i was terrified of jaws before i saw jaws because of the music like that theme (laughs) was used against me (laughs) and like that's i think that's just so interesting that like the music and knowing that it was associated with a shark, you know, five-year-old me was like, oh, this is scary. This makes sense. And I think that he just understands music and the way it affects people so brilliantly and intimately that he's able to put those into just some of the most iconic themes of our time. Like, there's so many John Williams themes you can play for anybody on the street and be like, what is this from? What is this one? What is this from? And people will know it. And that's... Yeah. I think just incredibly impressive and he's a magical beautiful human (laughs) i think he also knows when not to use music which is really Mm -hmm. smart because in the first one uh they only and they repeats that a little bit here too is they only use that theme when it's the actual Mm -hmm. shark so when when you have the kids with the fake cardboard fin there's no theme because and that tricks you because when he's chumming come down and chum some of this shit, the shark comes out, there's no music. Mm-hmm. And it makes it so much better and so much more of a startling thing because you do not expect anything to happen. Yeah. And we're going to see this, this happen in horror pretty quickly after yep. this, right? Halloween like you're gonna, is the same. With Halloween, Halloween is, is, is Friday the, the 13th. Yep. Like yeah. Friday, I mean, Friday the 13th, like the mm-hmm. Like that yeah. is... Mm-hmm. We, you know, telling us, that, well, we think Jason or, you know, Mrs. Voorhees is around <laughs> and we're see- like that music yep. is our uh, clue to look and like in the shadows, right? And search uh, the shadows yeah. for that creature. What is it? We can hear it before we see it. And so that's something that I think we can trace back to Jaws and Peeping Tom even. It's like those little cues <laughs> that yep. you're going to yeah. like, that's going to be hugely influential, obviously, in horror moving forward. 
there's also like Williams has the ability to kind of borrow from his previous scores in ways that it feels familiar, but it doesn't feel recycled. Like I'm thinking in Jaws at the end of the movie when like when Brody is is leaning out on the mast trying to shoot the shark, like it sounds the musical cues there sound very similar to those at the end of Star Wars where Luke is like flying down the trench. It has those like quick quick notes like the tension is building up the action is building up and they sound familiar uh i'm thinking of like empire strikes back and raiders like leah and han's like love theme very very similar to indy and uh marion's love mm-hmm. theme in those two movies like but they don't you you recognize them and you kind of recognize the emotions they're going for without sounding like carbon copies of one another he has a clear style yes. Yes. i think is what mm-hmm. yeah i mean you can pretty much recognize uh yeah that's john williams right there well, and he uh, understands just, like, i think you can with bernard herman mm-hmm. too is is kind of that way as well and uh max steiner and um i don't know mike uh thomas newman's another one where i i i hear him and it's like ah, yeah that's a thomas newman they understand how so. music works in film specific which is something it's yeah. like you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. yes they're it's different than, they're fabulous composers and yeah. musicians but they i think have a really good handle <laughs> just you know say the least on how music operates with a film so moving on really quick to the marketing it has three things going for it number one it's following up jaws and that by this time like they've released jaws into theaters a couple times to get people pumped for jaws 2 it makes its television debut right before jaws 2 comes out and it gets something like a 58 percent share which basically means three out of every five homes in the country that had their televisions on tuned in to watch Jaws make its TV debut, which is amazing. Mm. That's like two Mm -hmm. Super Bowls playing simultaneously in terms of the share. Um, It has an all-time great tagline for a sequel, like just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water is the tagline, Mm -hmm. which is incredible. It doesn't get any better than that. And that poster... All right. How good is the poster to Jaws 2? Oh, yeah. And are we a little bit let down that it doesn't actually come up and swallow her whole? So I, I was actually curious because I've, obviously, yeah, I've seen the main poster is the one of the shark jumping up behind the skier. But I've also seen one specifically on the album cover where it's just like a sunset on the water and you see the fin. That's all you see. Mm-hmm. And I actually prefer that poster because, again, it, I think it's just ominous and it, really, it looks really cool with the sunset. But it, I kind of don't agree about the skier because I think it's really fun that we get these POV shots of the shark like up on the, the, the ski. I just, I mean, could it be like more gory, I guess? Like, yeah, I guess, fine. But like, I, I kind of don't mind it if only because we see the shark like right after that. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. it's gonna subvert our expectations. I remember looking at, you know, obviously the video cassette sitting side by side mm-hmm. on the in the horror section of Jaws, Jaws 2 and 3. And the Jaws 2 one was always the one, not just because it was a secret, but, <laughs> but, but just the way the way the shark looked, something about that, and just that idea, because I knew people who water skied and stuff like that, just that idea of something that is so familiar, uh. um, and this monster yeah. that is just bigger than her, you know, by, you know, I don't know, it felt like 100 feet at the time, but, you know, just smashing up out of the water to grab them was just horrifying yeah. to me. 
So I think we've all been fooled by box covers, right? You know, it's like, oh, that's not even oh, in yeah. the movie. Yeah. You lied, <laughs> Demon Wind. I didn't see that at I mean, all. You know, like, <laughs> what, what was the box art for Jaws three? Is it like all the? It, it's all the skiers again, isn't it? It's like it's all the skiers, and there's like a shark fin going. Through yes, the and, and, and then it, but it and it has the it has the you know sort of the icon. From yeah, the first and then like like one of the skiers is like falling, it. like reaching yeah. for the friend, and it also the yeah. that scene is also like oh. That's it in Jaws 3. That's it. I know. I feel like the poster you mentioned, Trace, I would want to hang that one on my wall. It's so good. It's so good. It's a gorgeous poster. Actually, oh, you can't see it, but I have a poster, a Mondo poster for Nightmare on Elm Street 4 um, on my Mm. wall. And it's Freddy's glove in the uh, in the sand, and it says, "Just when you thought it was safe to go back to bed." Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's great. That's great. So I think like I'd want to hang frame and hang that one, but in terms of like if I walk into a movie theater and I'm looking at like coming soon, and you see all the posters up, the water skier one is going to be the one yeah. that's going to get me pumped. Like that's where the money is. It right also there. makes sense. Like before the first Jaws, you know, it's under the water, and now mm-hmm. that's like this now one. It's, it's like we know, we know the shark. <laughs> Yeah. So speaking of money, let's talk money. Uh, comes out June 16th, 1978. Grosses just under 10 million in its opening weekend, which at that point is a record. And again, it's at a time where movie tickets are like two dollars and twenty five cents. So that is a lot of people going to see this movie. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Uh, on its first run, initial run in the theaters. It makes just under $78 million, or about two and a half times its about $30 million budget. Crosses $100 million on re-release, makes just under $210 million bucks worldwide. Dang. So it only makes about 40% of the box office of Jaws, but that's what better than they anticipated. Yeah. Again, it, sequels weren't expected to make more money. Like they're supposed, they're thought of as lesser than the first movie. It's, it's weird. Cause yeah, watching some of those extra features in the Blu-ray, they're like, oh yeah, like we were hoping for at least a third of what Jaws made. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's what you were hoping for? Yeah. So, and that's the thing though, like this, this was a huge fucking hit. And yep. it always surprises me when people talk about, oh, the Jaws sequels. And I'm like, yeah, but y'all, that second one was a big fucking deal in yeah. 1978. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it was the sixth highest grossing movie of the year, mm-hmm. and I think. What was – is that the year that Superman the movie comes out? I think that's yeah. the year, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is the mm-hmm. number one movie of that year. And my sure. personal favorite score of John Williams is the Superman theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the number one top grossing sequel until 1980 when Empire Strikes Back comes out. So well, just like Jaws is number one for a little while, you know, it, it's – eclipsed by star wars shortly thereafter oh my god one of the highest growth because this is also the same year oh that's the thing so jaws 2 opens the same day that grease comes out and grease doesn't open as well as jaws 2 but it legs it out for the whole summer whereas jaws 2 doesn't leg it out no no that's yeah jaws 2 definitely front loaded definitely going to be like you're going to rush out to see it and i you know i'm trying to think of the last movie that really had those kind of legs or just legged it out forever. And maybe, God, it might have been the first Avatar movie, which, but I'm thinking like the first yeah. Scream movie takes like it's in the oh, top yeah. five forever. It's never the number one movie. Well, so uh, the- here's your comparison Jaws 2, you know, opens with 10 million, goes to like 77.7 million. Grease opens with 8 million and legs mm-hmm. it out to 159 million. Jesus. I love Grease. I've never watched Grease. I love, I love, I love Grease never, too. I love Grease. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I mean, 
that's the thing, never... right? Like, how how long was Grease in like the top ten movies? Like, it just it just stayed there. Yeah. Whereas Jaws two just didn't have that luck, but it's still. Well, I remember that also. I, mean, I remember Titanic. Just, yeah. You know, Yep, yep. sucking all the I mean and the thing is that people when it opened people were like oh okay yeah you know Titanic but then it just kept going through April like that opened in going. December and was then, like... it, then it dropped to number two <laughs> then it came back to number yeah. one then it went to number three then it went back to and then uh the Dark Knight mm-hmm. was another one like mm-hmm. that where it just kept going and going oh, forever you know and my... and where whereas like Avatar just kind of came out and just it stayed number one, number one, number one, then go. You forward. know what? The, another big success you know. like that is uh, my big fat Greek wedding from 2002. Like, oh, yeah. That's and I think one. that laid it out to like $300 million. Crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I miss those days. I miss when you could see a movie. You could go two months in and go back and see a movie in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And yes. now, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a bad thing when a movie's in theaters for three weeks and then all of a sudden you can like rent it at home like that yeah. doesn't help mm-hmm. that doesn't help i think you know i'm gonna say it, the fast and furious films too because fast four okay. was awful but then fast yeah. five mm-hmm. came out and i think that one did because i think people well, maybe weren't expecting it and then it was like oh no this is a really great movie and those are but that's billion a, dollar movies i still have yet to see i still have yet to see a single fast and furious same we're doing it ari and i are having our own patreon spinoff and you two are going to watch them with us and it's going to be yeah i'll tell you right now as someone who like does not like the first movie at all the second one's man i think tokyo drift is fine fast and fast and furious is not good no but five through eight because I do like eight actually. Nine is not good, but I actually really had a lot of fun with ten. So yeah. like, okay. totally okay. worth it. Like, yep, just yep, you yep. got to get past those first couple movies because I don't think the first half of them are very good. I, I, uh, Rachel, I'll tell you that on Prime Day, I had the first nine movies in my cart mm. ready to go. Like, hit checkout, and then when it said when it because I like right now I'm home alone. I can just watch movies all day every day. I'm on summer break. Wasn't going to re- arrive until August 31st. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, you know, I, I took it out of the cart, and I am tr- I think I got Taxi Driver in a 4K of The Lost Boys instead on special. I'm going to tell you, like, 6 is my favorite one, if only because you get to see Michelle Rodriguez beat the shit out of Gina Carano. That's true. Excellent. <laughs> I'm sold. All right. I will have to order these then. So right. I, I, I'll ask Rachel, do I order... The first nine on Blu-ray for thirty-five bucks, yes. or the first eight on four K for forty-five bucks. Ooh, is it worth getting in four? I mean, I uh, am not a huge four K ad. I, okay. I don't have four K. But, but for ten dollars more for getting all of them in four K, like with that, one less movie, that's that's worth it. Like just yeah, okay. that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay, that's the route we're going to go. Then I will report back. But so I have to watch all of the Saw and all of the Fast and Furious. Wait, have you not seen the Saw movies? Summer. I've only seen the first two in You're ah, You are oh. going on some wild rides, and I am here oh, for it. <laughs> also, yeah. Saw 6, low-key, one of the best ones in that franchise. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Yeah, I, I agree on that, <laughs> yeah. actually. All right. Yeah. Trace, I know you have a hard out in an hour and ten minutes, and we are going in some wild <laughs> Sorry. So. That's my fault. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Because we've actually covered a lot of, like, some of the movie discussion stuff. So, all right. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> We're done. Um, that's, so I'll ask this, like, is the biggest flaw of Jaws 2, when people say, like, oh, like you said, Trace, oh, the Jaws sequels, this is a legit, like, fun and good movie. Is its biggest flaw simply that it's not Jaws? Yeah. 
And again, I don't even call that a flaw. I just think that's the public mindset. Like, if right. if Jaws didn't exist and this was the first entry, I mean, somehow, you know, I think this would be a much high, like, higher regarded film. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it's a little disjointed sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's like, wait, is, is it a team story? Is it a Brody story? Like, but... That's merely because yes, I'm comparing it to the first one. Like if yeah. I if I had no association right. with the first one, I probably yeah I would love this. I mean I do love it, but it would be yeah. it would put it in a different light. I think look at it through right. a different lens. Agree with you. I think that this would be a super well regarded movie if Jaws two was the first movie. It probably wouldn't be like considered like an all time no. great movie, and I don't think it would launch the summer blockbuster as we know it. But I still think it would be a hit. <laughs> I think that if you release this movie on its own, people would still turn up for this. But I think a lot of the uh, three-star ratings would be four-star ratings if this wasn't sure. a sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I do think that one of the th- reasons why it gets it gets knocked down a peg is that it often and it's a complaint I have about the Elm Street remake. Uh, like Trace, I think you talked about the Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. remake, and I know how much you love that movie because that does its own thing mm-hmm. in a different way. Like it feels like a Texas Chainsaw, but it, to its credit, it does its own thing. Mm-hmm. When I watch like the Elm Street remake, I'm always like, why am I not watching Wes Craven's movie? Yeah. Like, it's aping that movie. This kind of does that a lot. Like it mirrors a lot of the same scenes and the same sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have like instead of the swimmer Chrissy going out, you have the water skier going out. Yeah. You have the Fourth of July scene. You have the adventure in the high seas. You have the mayor not listening. And at times, you're like, why am I not just watching Jaws at that point? Um, but I still think that it does things well enough where it is a super enjoyable romp like on its own it's a fun movie on its well own. but that's where i think too that the stuff with brody and his evolution as a character i think that's what makes it work so you're, you're right like a lot of this we're just kind of like riffing set pieces from the first film but it's the advanced like character knowledge uh mm-hmm. and like I, I think that's what pulls you through to the end of this movie mm-hmm. i think that you do get more with brody we're going to definitely talk about him where I don't think it does a lot of the victims justice. And I'm not yeah. saying that Jaws, you have like the most fully formed characters of all time, but you get just enough with Chrissy at the beginning of the movie, like watching her swim, seeing how graceful she is, like just like hanging around the campfire with those kids. Like, oh, this seems like a really fun night. And then she's killed. You feel for her. Uh, Alex Kittner, that little moment he shares with his mom before he goes out. Mm-hmm. Even Pippin the dog, uh, you know enough about all of the victims where you really feel for them. Where here, like you're presented these two, like you know these two palookas that are under the water, you know, and they get eaten right away. Don't know <laughs> these anything two, about these them rich whatsoever. guys uh, going down <laughs> to take pictures of a, a wreck. That is the thing with the opening. That is the thing with the opening of this film. Like I think it's really cool to revisit the side of the orca, but it's like. Again, I get it. You can't match the the, the brilliance of Chrissy's death scene yeah. in the opening film, but the opening of this film is such a kind of like a shrug. That you're like, Ugh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. The Ocean Gate people maybe should have learned from them. I was just saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Ooh. Uh, the uh, and plus that camera, I mean, it just keeps taking pictures for yeah on its own. I don't, I, which is amazing. You don't have to hit the button. It's you just got to hit the camera right itself. <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
and it's not it's a little bit confusing the way it's shot too it's just like a bunch of screaming and oh you know you don't get it th- that's hey in both of these first two jaws movies i love like the sound of men screaming underwater <laughs> 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 Um, but I do, and let's talk about Brody in this movie. Let's talk about his further development. Cause I do think Scheider does a great job returning to this character and giving you just enough. And I think every great hero needs a great foil. And I don't necessarily think that the shark is the foil in this movie where Jaws didn't really have a villain. And we can, we'll talk about the mayor again here you get like Joe Mascolo, like being the shady real estate development developer Peterson. He's a definite antagonist for Brody in this movie, like a great all time like eat the rich villain, right? Mm-hmm. Did y'all mm-hmm. watch the uh, deleted scenes for this? There's one where he gives him a, a ticket, right? Yeah. So it, it, there's a scene in the very beginning when he drives his wife to work and he gives her boss, this guy, a ticket and he won't like budge on it. He's like, no, mm-hmm. sorry, dude. That's I don't great. like you. And so it immediately sets up their kind of like antagonism and rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Peter's like, come on. Like, what are you doing here? It's like, nope. The, the rules are the rules. Like, because he knows like this guy, Peterson has eyes on Ellen. Mm-hmm. Like it's there's some clear tension there that goes beyond two guys that don't like one another. Like Peterson seems like the kind of boss that will sexually harass the staff. But I like though that that doesn't actually come to anything because it does kind of seem like a holdover from Peter Benchley's mm-hmm. novel where she has an affair with mm-hmm. the Hooper character. Um, and this movie doesn't need that at all. Just like no. the first movie didn't need that. It also I think it's a really funny like. You know, you can look at because we've got this hotel opening right, and like Amityville's changing, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of like this this hungry beast, right? That is like capitalism and yeah. like exploiting mm-hmm. this oceanside town, and you've got kind of you know the Brody. I know he's they haven't been there that long, but it's kind of like the old school Amity versus like this new idea of what like Amity right. could be and the mm-hmm. tourism, and like no, this is we're not going to listen to you. Because yeah. we want it to be like that. I don't know. It's just kind of a funny dynamic. But they don't force it. And I like that. It's just very subtle. And of yeah. course, you can read into it like I am or we're not. But it still works. And the Brodies, are st- even though they've established themselves on the island, they're still considered outsiders. Mm-hmm. Like you have that moment in the first movie. It's like, no, if you're not born here. You're not you're born here. You're not an you're islander. Not an islander. Yeah. And there was yeah. that contingent of people in Martha's Vineyard who did not want jaws to shoot there like they would go out and they would sabotage the set after hours like they would pour sugar in the gas tanks and spray paint like they would like graffiti the sets because like they didn't want these outsiders here and what's interesting in jaws 2 is both peterson and brody are outsiders but peterson seems like he's immediately embraced because he's throwing money around like he is seen more as one of them than Brody has ever been seen, which part of it is a cap, of course. You know, mm-hmm. Brody's a cop, uh, and but Peterson is just kind of stimulating the economy and like throwing his big piles of cash around. I'll ask this: Is anyone because this came up a lot during COVID when people were rewatching Jaws and people would say like, "Oh, don't forget, like Mayor Vaughn is still the mayor in Jaws too." Uh, <laughs> Are we surprised that Vaughn is the mayor in the second movie? Aside from the fact that you want to bring back, you know, Larry Hamilton. I'm sorry, Murray Hamilton. Are we surprised that Vaughn is still the mayor? Because no. I'm not People really. have short memories. 
No, I mean, I don't think they give him any blame for what happened. And the thing is, it was also like, it's almost like uh, we we think of Jaws as epic thing, right? You know, yeah. it's really only takes place over a few well, days. It's like a so it's like this one blip in the in the entire term of but his it, you know, it's also had, like you know. the 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 members of Am- the, the the citizens of amity island haven't seen jaws they're not seeing these these communications right. these conversations between brody and and the mayor where he's like no yeah. money i like money like there's no shark no, they here. don't know like <laughs> right. they, they don't know that shit <laughs> right even if the newspaper wrote about it like i mean come on people don't read the news be like, <laughs> like yep. it's yeah. like hey Remember, don't forget, he hired Brody, and Brody's the hero, yeah. and, you know, so that's probably yeah. what he ran, ran for re-election yeah, on, Yeah, if right? you're the mayor, you can say, I hired Quint. Yes, uh, I there was a problem, August. I like, fixed it. Right. say, like, I was able yeah. to save August. He hired a spin right? doctor, yeah. like a crisis p- PR person, and was mm-hmm. like, hey, fix mm-hmm. this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... I think Vaughn is portrayed like a lot more sympathetically in this movie. Like, even though I don't blame him for not immediately believing, believing Brody. Like when Brody says, I think there's another shark because that's human nature. Like we've been through this trauma. You don't want to believe it's going to return. Like you're going to do everything in your power to deny it until it's really staring you in the face. Right? But but his his reaction... Until it swims up and bites you on the ass. But right? his reaction when Brody tells him, it's not immediate, like, you're, you're, you're a fucking idiot. It's, he's yeah. like, yeah. are you serious? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true, yeah. right? Yeah. There is that deleted scene, too, like when Brody is fired, they show mm-hmm. the vote, and the mayor is the only one that Aww. votes to keep Brody yeah. as sheriff. Like, he doesn't want... Mm. And I do think they should have kept that, um, because... And, but the issue is also because Murray Hamilton's, like, wife was sick or something, so he had yes. to leave production, and so they shot all the shit really quick. But They did it over, like, three days. But so. I do think that it would have helped to... Maybe not help. It's, like, a 30-second extra scene. Like, it's not even long. Mm-hmm. But to be like, oh, good. Like, it, it honestly feels like a good closure, like a send-off for that character. Like, oh, good, finally. Like, he spent the first movie mm-hmm. not believing this guy and not sticking up for him. So for his last scene to be yeah. standing up for Brody, I think that would have been a really important thing to keep in. Yeah. I think that Brody is reinstated after the events of this movie, right? I mean, like, he saved all, he saved the mayor's kid. I feel like he's going to be reinstated as oh, chief. If I was him, I would have cut the dorsal fin off that shark, walked right into City Hall and been like, here, fuckers, and then quit and leave the island. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm kind of shocked after the first, at the events of Jaws, that they stayed. I mean, I know you get that scene in the hospital when they're like, we're going home. But after I just watched a guy get eaten and all of that shit, I already yeah. don't like the water. Uh, I'd be like, you know, I could probably be like a small town sheriff in the Midwest, like a landlocked state, right? I think I'm more surprised that Sean isn't like more traumatized. Because remember, he's the mm-hmm. one that gets like the interaction mm. of the shark with the um, like the pond or whatever. And you would think mm-hmm. that that would have more like long lasting effects on this kid. I thought it was Mike. Like Mike is the one oh, it's on Mike. the boat. Sean's yeah, Sean's sitting on the right. Sean's on the right. shore. By okay, the well, way, Mike they never they <laughs> should like, have more PTSD. This entire franchise, I feel like they're never like really properly traumatized. Oh, yeah. No. Well, why does Mike go work at SeaWorld in Jaws three? <laughs> yeah, and then even like Sean is like, oh, I don't like going in the water, but then he does because you know, like a babe. Yeah, like a babe is like, yeah, just come in. He's like, okay. <laughs> Okay, I, I said this when when Stephen and I recorded like a bonus episode on the killers from 1946. I said 
Ava Gardner is the kind of woman you'd go to prisoner, prison <laughs> over for three years. Leah Thompson is the kind of woman at that time you would definitely go in the water for, even if you're scared of the water. Well, they immediately get knocked over. Their little inner tube flips over. So. Yeah. And then they don't even, she didn't even die. They just swim to the shore. <laughs> I'll take that risk. I do like some of the, like the way they continue. Like Brody is better with the water, but still unsure. Like there's that line in the first movie, like you don't even get out of your car when you're riding the ferry. And when you see him in the ferry in this movie, yeah. he's sitting in his car. Like they continued that over. He doesn't immediately run into the water when he sees like the part of the boat that's, that's been capsized. I do like they continue those things with Brody, but he'll still do what he has to do. He'll do what has to be. Yeah. Done. So yeah. I, we were talking a bit about Lorraine Gary and her role in this movie and how maybe she got the short shrift. I still think that the interactions with her and Brody mm -hmm. are one of the real strengths. There's a little bit of tension. There's a little bit of that. Like she's criticizing Martin for smoking too much, which everybody is like lighting up like crazy in this movie. So you know that I almost felt like that was a dig on Scheider. Uh, basically like a little kind of way to acknowledge like, dude, like you got to lay off the, the lung darts there a little bit, my friend. Um, she's like, I wish you would spend more time with the kids. And he's like, well, I have a job to do. But overall, like they are always there for each other when they need even to. when he gets fired like she's so mm -hmm. supportive of him i love too when they walk out and like there's all those beer cans on the on, mm -hmm. in the grass by the car yeah i love that <laughs> and part. she's like yeah. you yeah. old so-and-so she like mm -hmm. she's so there's some moments where yeah. it's just like so sweet and realistic to me i think when it's just like you it feels like she really mm -hmm. knows this person because they're just having and it's like she checks on him a little bit yeah. like are you sure you're okay and it's like she knows he's yeah. not but also mm -hmm. like not going to talk about it right now but she's just like letting him know that yeah. she knows and it, it feels very real to me just that kind of like all right well i'm here yeah. and I, I understand that kind of thing and, and with his son too yeah. there's a moment where they're like on the just the way that brody's looking at his son it's just so sweet and it's just these simple mm -hmm. subtle things that really just like oh this feels like a family yeah, one of the, one of the biggest laughs for me too is whenever Brody's like, "Why does everyone care about boats and swimming?" And yes. She's like, yes, it's an island. Well, <laughs> and like trying to line. let her son just like have line. a summer, and he's like, "No, you got to get a job." And she's like, "But it's yeah. summer." Like that's just like such a sweet mom thing. Like just yeah. let him enjoy. Like he's just having fun with his friends. And oh god, so cute. Yeah, and yeah, and we have we have like kind of the opposite dynamic in our house where like my wife loves making lists and like, you know, we have chores we do. Like I have a set list and my daughter has a set list. I am often the one that will let Ada out. I'm like, oh, your friends, like you haven't done your chores and like your friends want to have yeah. a pool party. I'm like, go to your friends. Like the chores will be here when you get back because, you know, it's summertime. I want you to like go spend time with your friends because like school's going to intrude soon enough. <laughs> and but they're not argue, like we're not argumentative mm -hmm. about it. They're not that here. It's like just two people that want something a little bit different, but they never really like fight over it. And Brody doesn't really put his foot down until he thinks there's danger. And he's using right. then he's using the job the job as more of an excuse to keep his son safe, more so than like I want him to have a, a real job. And I like that like Mike is uh, the way that interact. It feels like a very 
realistic portrayal of like a teenager and like their dad like they're gonna argue with one another they're gonna butt heads with one another but at the same time they're still family they still love and care for one another um how grounded is mike at the end of like if there's like a bonus scene in jaws 2 where they get back to shore (laughs) after okay on a scale of one to ten how grounded is mike for a going out on the ocean after he was told not to and b like bringing sean with him like he's not seeing the beach let alone a boat the thing is like i think his family his parents are just going to be happy he's alive (laughs) so they're not going to like punish him necessarily i don't know do you think mike wants to go back out like multiple of his friends died yes um excuse me jaws three (laughs) jaws i I guess that's jaws four his brother dies and he's like let's Mm -hmm. go swim in the bahamas Yeah. I'm going to go research Kong shells. <laughs> and then he gets really excited when there's a shark. And I'm like, dude, your brother was just killed by a shark. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. It's again, These poor boys. Jaws the Revenge, not a good movie. But I mm. I think this kid's grounded for the rest of the summer. Yes. I mean, like, yes, you're, gr- you're happy he's safe. That's great. He's safe. And I've always told my daughter, like, look, when you get older and you go to parties, like, if you are ever with friends and they're drinking, you call us right away. I will always pick you up. Uh, no questions asked. I will give you a safe ride home. No, And you won't be grounded. In this case, though, where he's like so because you want your kid to be safe, that only lasts so long. Eventually you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm glad you're safe. But the other thing is, like, I told you, don't go in the fucking water and certainly not bring the cute kid with you. None of them have boats anymore, right? They're all just true. True. (laughs) What are they going to go out on the water? Well, I'm going to tell you now, if I'm Brody, I'm going to be like, look, fuckers, next time I say there might be a shark, you listen to me. I, you know, I wish I saw more payoff with like the cyanide bullets. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I love the electrocution. Mm-hmm. Like love it. I think mm-hmm. it's brilliant. I think it looks great. I think it's really funny. I wish they would have gone back to town and everything would have been dark. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> like <was> fantastic. <laughs> but like I, I wish I, you know, because he's like, I think it's really cool, like how he's what he's doing with the bullets and just kind of like how he's hiding it because he doesn't mm-hmm. want people to know he's onto this, like has this idea. I wish a little bit more had happened yeah. with that. But. I, I wonder while he's making those, is is this like a thing? Is this something that people <laughs> could actually do? I, I I don't I don't know I'm I'm genuinely curious how that <laughs> how much cyanide hold. does it take to kill a great white shark more like a drop yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know. is he gonna use uh, it on town hall is he honestly. gonna get drunk is he gonna get he gets yeah. like as a darker version of this or after he gets fired he gets super drunk and then takes everybody oh. everybody out. I, I, I'm telling you the order to, I would kill that you know her, Lorraine Gary's boss first but then I would go for that bitch who's like what am I looking at in this picture I don't see anything <laughs> kill her next and she's in the fir- she's in the first person yeah. in the first movie too she's the one I don't think that's funny yes. that's yep. not funny well and I always I always get her confused with Alex Kittner's mom because those actresses mm-hmm. look exactly yeah. the same <laughs> they do she looks a bit they, more weathered. Like, she's a bit more leathery. Yeah. Well, here, here's the weird thing. And I said this on our show, too. Alex Kittner's mom looks exactly like my mom uh-huh. around that age. And it is, the most, it is the most bizarre thing. So every time I watched Jaws, I was like, I swear my mom just, like, you know, before she got married, just went out and made this movie. And then, you know, 
witness relocation program. And uh, I mean, it's bizarre. Could your mom deliver so. a slap like Alex Kittner's mom? Hell yeah. Well, <laughs> probably, no, I don't think so. You answer that very <laughs> I, quickly. I, I, don't, like, yes. I, I don't have any frame of reference to know. Sure. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, please. <laughs> Let's talk about the kids. Let's talk about the teens in this movie. And I don't necessarily know their names, so I gave them some nicknames. Uh-huh. So let me kind of run through some of them here for you. I have uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which one of them is Keith Gordon, the two nerdy kids. I had Miss Amity runner up. Uh, she is the one that is on the boat with the rest of the kids. Like she looks like the girl who won Miss Amity, but didn't quite win. Wait, is, is, she, Buff- is she the blonde girl that like prays to God and yes. stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you could also call her Jesus Freak. Yeah. Um, I had Buff Shelley from Friday the 13th yep. Part 3. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah, totally. And then Mayor Vaughn's kid is the love child of Mark Wahlberg and Nelson Muntz. Yes! Uh, oh, my, like oh, this is fun. Like so, and then there's the kid with the scally cap, who I really like. Like, he actually looked like a kid I went to elementary school with, but no one would get the reference if I said he looks like Steve Peaslack. Like, nobody oh, would know who that that's is. That's Bob. That's the one who's, who, whose death scene is, like, removed from that's the film. That's Bob? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So he, cause he doesn't die in... Yeah, well, this so I, I have to look at it again to see, but, like, it's very much a, um, like, do you see him get to Cable Junction? I don't know, but... You do. Okay. Because he's resting on the rocks going, thank God, thank God. You have the this won't help. Here? Yeah, this won't help listeners. But yeah, okay. like click that. Yeah, it, I was going to say, this it, is very exciting for our listeners right but, now. But you but, can you know, see the shot of him on his boat as the shark is coming for him. Let's see. Yep, there it is. Is that him? I don't see the hat. I only know him by the hat. Wait. So. Well, the hat probably fell off. Oh, okay. oh yeah. But look, that's uh, a good point. No, that's yeah. him. It's says Billy him. Van Zandt okay. as Bob. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. And then there is the horny teens like Eddie and I don't remember. Tina. I just remember it's Tina. Okay. So, yeah, I just that's how I know these kids as. But I will say, even though they're not like the best developed group, the movie does go out of the way to make them very sympathetic. Like they're a pretty likable group. I really like that when they are stranded on the ocean, like all of them are pulling together. They're Mm -hmm. all working with one another. They're all trying to save one another. It's really well done. And I think that it kind of wants to be American graffiti on boats. Gottlieb (laughs) said, like he wrote this. Yeah, the cruising culture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And Gottlieb's like, I don't think there's a cruising culture for sailing. But it sounded really fun, so why not do it? Yeah. I think he does a really good job of showing, like, if you're a kid on this island, it probably does get boring after a while. Like, you get shitty weather for six months of the year. You get a couple months of nice summer weather. Uh, and then, But there's not much to do except, like, sail a boat and go on the ocean. Mm-hmm. And he, they, they're all, like, they retain their likability because, like, when Shelly's like drinking the punch, he's like, oh, did your mom do all this? Yeah. Did she make the punch? No. Okay, good. Cause it sucks. <laughs> like, you know, but like checks to make sure that like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to insult, you know, his mom. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to make sure. Well, okay. And great. it's also it's like, terrible. I mean, cause here's the thing. Like, I'm even going to excuse the one dimensional characters. Um, but although that does kind of like, it's a kind of a trait of the slasher films, right? I uh, granted, had this film been mm-hmm. all about the kids instead of having like the third act be about the kids, that would have been remedy. Um, but I almost, yeah, I, I almost don't mind it because yeah, I do find all these kids likable, even Jackie screamer as she is. Um, I just wish more of them would have died. That's my only big gripe with the third act of this film. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jackie 
would have been a bit redeemed if we saw that Bob bitten in half. Like you could understand her screaming gets to be a bit much after. Oh yeah. Like, okay, there's nothing going on right now. Like you need to cool your jets a little bit. And Jack she commits to it though. She's she got does. like a, like she looks like she, she got that page boy haircut too. <laughs> Shaking yeah. her head. And just, <laughs> like, really free. She really, she goes yeah. for it. And, you know, like Shelly's a good friend. Shelly is trying to keep Mike out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one saying, like, we don't even need to go. So let's just hang on the beach and like try to pick up girls. Like, yeah. He doesn't yeah. want to see his friend get in trouble. And Jackie is the one who's like, do you do everything your father tells you? It's like, oh, Jackie, what are you what are you doing here? Why are we act? That's like kind of this? the funny thing, right? Like she's kind of a bad girl. And then she just like, yeah. they kind of lose that character trait of her. But, but I kind of buy into it, right? Like she puts on a tough act because she's never been stalked mm-hmm. by a shark before. <laughs> Yeah. Look, look, if I'm getting stalked by a shark, I'm freaking out. Okay. I am not going to be poised. I (laughs) am probably, probably screaming my head off too. So what do I, I once when I was cooking outside on my deck, some bees came out and I just screamed bees at the top of my lung. Ran in the house and said, get your coat. We're going out to eat tonight. (laughs) So what do I know about bravery? (laughs) And I'll say like the 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 one thing I'll say is the stuff with Brody and the stuff with the teens. If I have a fault in the movie, Mm -hmm. it does feel like they're filming two completely separate movies like they don't feel together. And I wonder how much of that is like Scheider being kind of a dick on set. And they're like, all right, we kind of got to keep these guys apart from one another. Like, I don't want him to poison it mm-hmm. for because it does feel like they're two separate movies that are going on. Everything with a Brody in the town and everything with the teenagers, which is kind of teenage life to a certain degree. Right. Like kids go off and do their own thing and have their own secret little world and do whatever they want. But it feels too separate from one another. I think, too. I mean, like this movie is almost two hours. Long. I mean, it's five minutes shy of yes. two hours. And granted, mm-hmm. the first one, yeah. I think, is is two hours, but just over, but, um, there are a couple pacing issues. Like there are scenes I do think that drag in this movie. And so I Mm -hmm. think a tighter edit Mm -hmm. would maybe fix some of these issues. Yeah. I I agree. I paused it last night when it gets to like Brody getting on the police boat and going out. And I'm like, there is still 40 minutes left in this movie. Like it shocked me. That said, this is a great third act. Like this is a lot of fun. I would say that like, uh, Eddie's death is, (sighs) worthy of every it it is good as anything in jaws like that is a phenomenally filmed death it's really tense it's scary and it is super violent like him getting like slammed into the boat and then holding it so hard he pulls a chunk of it off when he gets dragged out that's fucking awesome also his breathing because when he's yelling for tina he's like (laughs) and but yeah oh it it, it feels like viscerally real (laughs) yeah yes and I think and it feels traumatic. Yeah. Like, and then she's like well, catatonic, okay. like mm-hmm. curled up in the boat. And it's like, I can understand. I don't know if y'all remember this, but like yeah, a right, month ago yeah. or something on Twitter, there was all these like, oh, like show your like most like realistic portrayal of fear in a movie. Mm-hmm. This girl who plays Tina is like, I mm-hmm. buy her fears. This oh, girl's yeah. fucked for life. Yep. Yeah. She's just mm-hmm. hiding in the, hiding in the boat, boat, basically making herself as small as possible. And, mm-hmm. like, the makeup work they do in her, like, when they pull her out of that boat, like, she is ashen. Like, mm-hmm. she is sh- terror-struck. You're right. And that's – it's a great moment. L- absolutely think that is worthy of anything that you see in 
the first Jaws mm-hmm. movie. I really like how all that is done. And you mentioned how like the breathing and like that real visceral terror. From what I read, like the actor who played Eddie was not necessarily a very strong swimmer. Uh, he couldn't swim. So he's, <laughs> yeah. So he's probably very afraid when he's out there. Yeah. Right. I mean, I I'm not a great swimmer, and if I'm in over my head, like I even in a pool. I get nervous because I'm like, I'm not that good a swimmer. So forget about being in cold and choppy waters and trying Mm. to like get your mark basically in the ocean to get eaten by a shark. Like that's scary shit. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. What do we think? Some of the big moments in this movie, movie involving the kids, like uh, the helicopter scene is utterly ridiculous. Amazing. I love it. It it is kind of a jump the shark moment, but I kind of don't care. Mm -hmm. Like I I do. The one thing I hate about it is it is kind of like Jaws 2 has become, oh, yeah, that's the one where Jaws eats a helicopter. And I kind of hate that it gets reduced to that a lot when people talk about it. Um, but it's still really good. Also, there's that deleted scene where you do see the shark, like, get him underwater, and mm-hmm. I wish they would have kept that in, but they were trying yeah. to not get the R rating. Yeah. It needs to be a PG movie. Like, it definitely needs to still be a PG movie. Mm-hmm. And they were probably gonna, you know, because <laughs> I feel like Jaws skates by on the skin of its teeth to get the PG. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, mm-hmm. there's some, there's some, uh, you know, back room shenanigans going on to get that PG rating for, for Jaws. Uh, so they weren't going to let that happen for Jaws too. And you can kind of see that because there aren't, you know, there aren't legs, you know, no. I was, there the aren't severed heads popping out of boats. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. There's yeah. not, you know, Quint, you know, that the blood, of blood yeah. coming out of his yeah. mouth, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, I, so I imagine the MPAA was like, yeah, not going to happen this but time, folks. Isn't it kind of silly, though? I mean, I'm going to pull in Psycho as a comparison here because Psycho was an R rated film. Which is it's so bullshit. bizarre. And then you got Jaws as PG. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. I, I don't. It doesn't understand. make any sense. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The MPAA never makes any sense with some of their decision making. Like, it's still. To this day, it's confounding, like, what's going to get. And I think with Jaws, they had to trim a little bit of the leg bouncing. It couldn't bounce on the ocean floor. But you still but, right, see, well, we like, the cut. You see the meat at the end of this severed and leg. I mean, it's because Norman Bates dressed yeah. up like his Well, well mm. the thing is with Psycho, though, they rated it in the 80s as an R-rated film because it never had an MPA rating before that. So like, even in the 80s, y'all right. looked at this and y'all yeah. said, yep. R. <laughs> I think that was on reputation. I think so too. Honestly. Yeah. 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 That's probably true. Yeah. At that point, they're like, oh, this is a classic. Psycho movie. <laughs> was, you know, in the 80s, revered as, you know, like the great, you know, yep. horror film of all time. Yeah. Right? And Frenzy and, is far more violent. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. Far more sexual. And that, that <laughs> like, actually with, owns its R rating. Yeah. So, yeah. With Frenzy, you would like, if, if Hitchcock yeah. didn't have the Hayes Code. To work with all those years, you see, like this is the kind of movie Hitchcock would have made Absolutely. for years. He mm-hmm. would have been a much, and I wonder how his reputation would have been uh, if that. And I love Frenzy. I think Frenzy is really underrated, and it I agree. should be discussed as a proto slasher, very much like mm-hmm. Black Christmas mm. should be. But it is awesome. I've never but seen this, and I, I didn't even know it was an R-rated sexual. film. So I'm really excited to oh. check this out. <laughs> Definitely check it out. I think you would dig yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, like, I, I wrote a piece on it for Bloody Disgusting, and I was just mm-hmm. um, so revisiting. It was like, man, this yeah. this movie really, I mean, 
Good. There's it some things hard. that kind of like Last House on the Left. Ooh. Kind of, yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Everything and, you're you saying know, is making me yeah. want to watch this more and more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not, as, world. it's not as brutal as that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Last yeah. House yeah. is brutal. But it's, it's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, too, like the sequence when everything goes to shit for the kids, like when the boats go out of control, when they start slamming into one another, like that is a hard thing to pull off and make look coherent. And it works. Like it is a great sequence yeah. of real mayhem well the, and mm-hmm. there's two because yeah so when it first happens you know you have the um the one kid he's like you know trying to pump the air in his thing and it kind of right. comes out of nowhere but you know you have the build-up as like we get the pov of mm-hmm. the shark again but i love it again too later i think this is maybe when marge dies they're just talking and talking and talking and all of a sudden with no build-up the shark like comes up through one of the boat's fabrics yes that mm-hmm. is a great fucking scare yeah no, it works. It, it's very. It definitely works. And Marge is the one who gets swallowed whole. Correct. Yeah. This is a great fucking. Death. Here's the thing. If I was an actor in one of these movies, because th- this is on par with the guy in the first movie who's in the pond and you use the shark, like the, the severed leg guy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in the water with a mechanical shark like this. This, I, yep. I would be so fuck. Even it's, it, it doesn't look like a real shark. I don't care. I would be terrified. And the fact that in one shot, this is a one single shot thing. This shark comes and you see it gulp her, <laughs> yes. and then she is gone. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. yeah. It's a great like out of nowhere death. It's a great horror movie death, and I think that's. If Jaws is more of an adventure film with a lot of horror elements or a horror movie that leans towards adventure, I think that Jaws 2 is much more of a straightforward horror movie. And you have just real scary violence in it that I think works really well. Just to see where when they're trying to pull Michael over the side of the boat and the shark is coming. So good. And it comes along the side of that boat. That is a great, like, and it took them forever to get that shot. Like, they could not get the timing of it right. And, like, if, and you could see, if you're pulling that dude up and you, and, the, and you don't get him, and that thing weighs, I think, about two tons. Right. Is what they say. Like, it's <laughs> getting, like, that's, like, going to be, like, getting hit by a small bus. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. pretty dangerous if you don't get that right. Like, you're in some real danger. And trying to execute that stunt and it looks kind of goofy because it when it rubs up against mm-hmm. the boat like its mouth like kind of goes like this but uh, right yeah. right but, but it, it's such i'm a sucker for like close calls in horror films and mm-hmm. so even though mm-hmm. it looks stupid i'm so like amped up from like mike's foot barely missing this shark's mouth i don't yes. even care sure yeah yeah so and what, i like the look of the mm-hmm. shark in this in this one mm-hmm. i mean the shark in in jaws the first one is kind of iconic because i mean he's got you know, like the big jowls. He's got like Nixon jowls. Yeah. And, you know, it's to, you know, to hide the big bolts that were holding the jaw on. <laughs> yep. they, you know, so they were able to fix that for the second one. Mm-hmm. So it looks actually a little bit more like a real shark, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, like you were saying, Rachel, about the burn scar and, you know, kind of having a mask like it's almost like Freddy Krueger yeah. um, mm-hmm. in a way. It's, it's, a, it's a cool um, sort of, you know, there's no other shark movie where the shark looks like that. Yeah, you know. yeah. So it's. Uh... I, I think my favorite shot of it. It's a small little moment, but when the shark first swims into the bay, and you see mm-hmm. it from above, like you see the body of mm-hmm. it swimming, yeah. and you just see the fin pop up, like it's stalking its territory of amity, and nobody else sees it. I think it's one of the best little moments in the movie. Like it's a very 
it's unnerving. Like you know, it's going to get worse. From I'm a sucker for great. those overhead shots. I mean, I mean, like not to go back to Eddie to Eddie's death, but like you know, there's that mm-hmm. overhead shot of the boat as you see the shark go under Tina's boat and you go to yeah. go towards yeah. him. That again, I think that's fan like a great shot. No, all right. I know we're coming up on time, so I want to uh, end with this. Like one of the big legacies. Actually, before I do that, anything else? Anything else you guys want to bring up that was important? Um. No, not to be a conversation, but I really hate that the girl who prays to Jesus lives because honestly, the fact that the shark just swims by her um, is stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that would have been great. It's so mean spirited if like she's doing an Our Father and then gets chomped in two. Like that would have been. It would have been too mean. But um, I God do like can't the, save you, bitch. I like the realism though because you know when it, it grazes her and it cuts her side because the mm-hmm. fact is that sharks. Uh, it's not skin. Their it's like, skin. yeah, it's yeah. almost like sandpaper right. the way yeah. they are if it goes yeah. against you. So like, that mm-hmm. is an accurate perception of what would happen to you if the shark actually touched you. But mm-hmm. I don't buy that this supernatural shark monster just swims by her because she's praying to Jesus. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. Should have prayed to Satan. Let's see what happens. From there. Um, so one of the lasting legacies of jaws is all the movies it inspires really all the movies that rip rip it off like do you guys have any like favorites like any notable imitators of the original anything that really jumps out well one of the things i always thought was okay so is the dead killer whale a swipe at the (laughs) ripoff because it's like hey orca came out and you Mm -hmm. know dino de laurentis's movie uh and here, oh no, Jaws, our shark, eats it and kills mm-hmm. it. You know, I always wondered if that was kind of a swipe at that. Um, Maybe. That's a good call. Or just, yeah. I just always read it as like, because the boat, the orca. Yes. Oh, so yeah, like, that's oh, true, like, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You or thought you were done with this, but it's not All of the above. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I've I've never seen Orca. I will be fit, remitting that very soon, though. Um, I've always heard Tentacles is really fun. It's um, a movie. I'm a sucker for Alligator. I think Alligator I is one of the alligator. best genres. I love Alligator. Yeah. yeah, that was the one I was going to mention. Alligator is <laughs> alligator so piranha. funny. Oh, man. I love Joe Dante's Piranha. I think that's oh, yeah. Fun. And that's Piranha, they, even the second one, James Cameron directed. Mm-hmm. That one's sure. The Spawning. Yes, that one's fun, too. I, I might even argue that Cujo, to some extent, is a Jaws mm. ripoff. Um, though yeah. I really like that movie. It's, it, I, and the thing is, calling these movies a ripoff is sort of like, well, yeah, but well, they're still pretty good. Did, what, <laughs> what, did, wasn't Alien described as Jaws Aliens in space? Aliens are ripoff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think Alien of more as more of Halloween in space, but yeah, but yeah it has been definitely creature uh, attack sure. movies. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I'm a sucker for creature features, and here I feel like inherently creature features are looked at as B movies. Like they're kind of campy and silly. I actually do appreciate when a creature feature goes like, no, we're serious. Mm-hmm. And this is scary. Like I think yeah. crawl from a couple years ago, which yeah. has campy moments, but I think it's a really effective, like thrill ride it's of a, a film. Movie. And crawls like, really 47, good. And as you said, was it 47 meters down? Like both of those Ooh. I think are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's that's great though because you know um, I think the first one I know people hate the ending of Forty Seven Meters Down, but I think that like that movie I remember watching it and I couldn't breathe yeah. because I was so scary. like scared by this movie. But then the second one does take a campier approach. The second one's basically a Friday the Thirteenth movie underwater, which I also really yes. love. <laughs> 
I need to watch both of those. I haven't I might, seen I have either a, one. Yeah. I have a goal this summer of watching like a hundred new to me movies. So I'm gonna put both of those down and maybe throw them under the basement I, later. It's uh, forty seven. The first one, I, th- again, the third act is divisive because something happens that mm-hmm. people don't like. I, I don't mind it. I think it works because there are still some amazing set pieces in it. Mm-hmm. The second one's dumb as fuck. And it's it, it is the Strangers two to the Strangers one like that that's what those two okay. movies are like. So like the second one's more fun yeah. and can't you get Sly Stallone's daughter in it? Yeah. Um, also, Jamie Foxx's daughter in it. All, yep. Some some nepo babies. <laughs> Excellent nepo babies. <laughs> I need to watch Grizzly. Uh, because A, I've heard it's actually decent, but also we actually have a black bear that's been roaming oh, our neighborhood the past couple weeks. Ugh. Like there's, I have a picture of it. It is outside of our house, like standing in front of our driveway. And I'm like, well, that's fucking freaky that there's a bear running around, but it's a black bear. So allegedly it will more or less stay to itself. And I just don't want it to wander into the busy street. Yeah. Have you guys seen Prophecy? I have not. Yes. Wait, I'm sorry. How is this connected? I'm, I'm dying to know. Oh, I think it's connected. You, don't you think? Yeah, it's bear. like a mutant bear. I've never oh seen my it. gosh. Yeah. It's okay. John Frankenheimer it's amazing. movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's something. Tell- it's, it's something. Not to be not to be confused with the no, prophecy of the Christopher Walken movie. Oh, okay. I really love how I've Rachel's s- like it's it's amazing and Brian's like it's it's, so it's got okay, an wait, am- I- it's got a moment that I was I literally I actually, like I I really like that movie. I really like. Okay, it. wait. I'm I'm looking at the poster for it. A, it's very reminiscent, reminiscent of the Broods poster. Yes. But I love. Yes, it is. So it's literally prophecy, and right below it, it says the monster movie. <laughs> <laughs> And it is Excellent. the monster movie. It's got Talia Shire in it. Speaking of Sly, and- it's it. Yes. It's. Uh, I recently right. saw Deep Rising and oh hell yeah, Deep Rising's oh. fun. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, the it, we also about how horror was dead in the '90s, right? Um, but the, if right. you look at the yeah. creature yes. features, like Relic, Anaconda, Deep Mimic? Blue Sea, Relic Deep Wars. Rising. Like, so many amazing creature features, and I love all of them. Like, Anaconda's one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> Brian, I put arachnophobia on my yes. list of things to watch after your episode on movies. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. I don't that's want to That's a terrific it's, movie. It's a it's lot fun, of fun. It's fun, but I can't watch it. It is. <laughs> it's, that, that, that traumatized it, it, me as a kid. It bothers Seriously, that movie I've scares so me more many than any other movie. That, so but but it's also really there, funny. Yeah. Like, that movie juggles totally tone is, yeah. masterfully. Yes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like if there were, if Jaws was released now and you had all of these other movies released in its, in its wake, that you would have a studio try to do its own shared universe. Like, the animals <laughs> will arise. And it would be like the Avengers of scary yes. animal movies. Like, something yeah. like that would have to happen. <laughs> all right. I think we can put Jaws 2 to bed. I think that was a really fun discussion on this movie, which is a blast to talk about. And sometimes like these, I hate even saying lesser than, but like some of these movies that aren't super highly regarded end up being the most fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. But before we go today, let's talk about what we all have coming up. So Trace, tell us what's going on with Horror Queers and what you and Joe have in the works. Because you basically, like, this is your job at this point. Like, it, it, it very much is my job. I still have a day job, but uh, I, one day. The hope is one day I will not have to have mm-hmm. a day job. Uh, no, uh, so actually, it's funny. Uh, the episode we have coming out this week is going to be on Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, which is um, 
was a big task because whenever we talk about like a film like that, I'm like, what what can we possibly yeah. say about Psycho yeah. that hasn't already been said? So I think we try to put our own spin on it. Um, I do want to plug though, we covered Insidious Chapter Two a couple weeks ago, um, and we mm-hmm. got really great guests in the Boulay Brothers Amazing. to talk, talk about that film. Oh, cool! So um, yeah. I think it turned out really well. Um, and again, that's a movie that um, a movie that came out in 2013 that repurposes the plot of Sleepaway Camp for a modern audience, and it is problematic but also kind of fascinating in that way that i really appreciate excellent and where can everyone find horror queers and find you online and also because a lot of your content your best content is on patreon so can you tell us where if people find your show and enjoy it where else can they find yeah i know so we are part of bloody fm formerly the bloody disgusting podcast network Uh, so you can find us on bloody disgusting Find the Horror Quiz podcast anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever the fuck. Um, and then uh, on all socials, we are at Horror Queers. If you want to just follow me, I am at Trace D, as in dog, Thurman. That's my first name, last name with a D in the middle. Um, and yeah, Patreon, please uh, give us money. We love that. Uh, it is patreon.com <laughs> slash horror queers. Uh, basically, what we do there is we, we cover new release films there. Um, so, you know... On the main feed, which is free for everyone, we talk about various films through a queer lens, be they explicitly queer, implicitly queer. If they have queer creators on them, we will always cover that. Uh, but for the Patreon, we will talk about new films coming out. So, of course, this month we have episodes on Insidious the Red Door, Bird Box Barcelona, and uh, the new movie Cobweb with Lizzie Kaplan that's coming out. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a fun time. Uh, uh, come to hear us two gay guys talk about movies. It's fun. Excellent. And I love the show i actually am going to be like signing up for a bunch of patrons by the end of the summer paying down a couple bills and then can finally give some people some of my well i do love money so thank you in advance (laughs) no problem we all do Rachel, how about yourself? Do you love money? And also, I mean, where can... who does that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rachel, what do you what do you have coming up with Halloweenies and Girls on the Boys and Losers Club and your writing? And all the things. Yes. Everything else. All, all lots the things. of things going on. Losers Club. They just wrapped up just after sunset, that short story collection and some really interesting conversations around that and then halloweenies we're trudging through the child's play franchise and we'll have we have a great episode coming up that will be released soon on um seed of chucky with bloody disgusting's rena cervantes so that'll be that's i mean love her so that'll be a fun conversation and then um and you can find both of those shows on bloody fm and then on the girls on the boys, me and Jen Adams were just about to wrap up season one of the Amazon series, The Boys. Uh, we just had an episode drop on the penultimate episode of season one. So if you're a boys fan, you can check that out. And that's on the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad feed. You can find me on Instagram and threads, I guess, um, at yeah. the Vinyl Girl, G-R-R-R-L, and um, on Twitter at Vinyl Girl. Brian, what's going on with uh, the Movies for Life pod, and what do you have coming up for your writing right now? Uh, yeah, well, um, we just released, not, uh, well, I guess a couple weeks ago now, our episode on Jaws and Arachnophobia, which I think is one of our episodes where I went, yeah, I like this one. This is a really good one. I think I was proud of how that one turned out. Um, We've slowed down a little bit on the main episodes during the summer. Uh, So, uh, and I swear we didn't, we weren't copying Pod and the Pendulum when we decided to do this, but we're doing our Horror of the Year So Far episode is going to be coming out this week. Uh, So hear hear what I thought of uh, 
everything from cocaine bear to infinity pool. Um, so, <laughs> um, and then, uh, as far as writing goes, I had a piece come out on bloody disgusting about one of the great years of Stephen King adaptations, 1983. So I wrote about Cujo, the dead zone and Christine and uh, that's up there at Bloody Disgusting. And then uh, Manor Vellum, my latest, I don't even know what number it is right now off the top <laughs> of my head, of the series I'm doing on the history of Frankenstein movies came out. And it's all about the universal sequels. So Bride of Frankenstein through House of Dracula. And uh, it got chosen to be part of Medium's boost program, um, which is pretty cool. I first time that's, that's happened to me so excited that that happened uh, cool. so and, and we'll be talking i believe like frankenstein bride of frankenstein we'll be doing that i think after we wrap up saw right i think we decided that was going to be i think so next yeah and yeah, you can frankenstein's you can count me in for all three of those oh uh, i know i will be i know yeah <laughs> uh, absolutely and, know that yeah, yeah, it's like, because who else is going to come on and talk about him, right? I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, I hope other people will, because yeah. I, I think those are great movies. I hope more I people so. come and take a look at, too. Oh, I think um, so. Yeah. Um, That'll be interesting, because it's always fascinating, like, what movies do really well, like, where we pick up and what really does yeah. for us. And But I think Frankenstein is classic enough that, that, that should do well. All right, listeners, for us, and I'll, I'll move quickly here, uh, for listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you've heard today, please take a moment and an easy way to support the show and a free way to support the show is to rate us, review us, and subscribe to us wherever you're getting your podcast. So we would greatly appreciate that. Helps us find new listeners. Uh, and it's also like getting a, a five-star review, like only five stars and a few words, like lets us know we're on the right track. We also like money. I'm not going to lie to you. We also like money. Who, who doesn't? So one great way to support the show is to go to our, our relaunched Patreon page, patreon.com slash pod and the pendulum, where we are putting up bonus episodes as this episode goes live, Stephen and I recorded on a film noir classic, The Killers, from 1946. Uh, later this month, we will have episodes up on Sharknado. We're doing a commentary on that movie where Ariel, Stephen, and I are watching it for the first time while drinking and commenting <laughs> on the movie as it plays. Uh, and we will also have our rental shelf out there where we give our recommendations. But starts at a couple bucks go to patreon.com slash the pod and the pendulum follow us on the socials twitter at pod and the pendulum uh, i think i'm gonna be handing off the reins to someone to actually promote the show uh even without that even with like me doing maybe two tweets a week under that thanks to a ton our old listeners and our new ones like the show has grown exponentially it's hitting some numbers i didn't think we were going to hit and it's a little indie that moves on truly appreciate that and i think in large part it's our co-hosts because they're fucking awesome to talk movies to uh follow me at mike underscore snoonian at twitter and mike snoonian all one word at blueski and at mike chump change on letterbox and yeah if you like what i have to say i I got to be honest, as I'm getting older, like I just care less and less about social media. Yeah. Just like, kind of. Yeah. So, <laughs> the worst is when you don't care about really it. Really giving you 
have. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Yeah, so I know. I know I haven't given you the most reason to follow me, but go ahead and follow me anyway. Um, I dare you to. We'll be back. Oh, and also with the show, we'll be covering uh, the Fantasia Film Fest in the coming weeks as well as I make my way up there. We'll have some coverage of that up here. But we'll be back very shortly. So I think we've hit the two high points for this franchise, and it is <laughs> yeah, yeah. a pretty from here. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty steep drop off with Jaws 3D. I think I still need to recruit some people for that. Uh, and then we have after that all the Saw movies, and Ariel has already sent me her notes for the first three movies, and they're awesome. <laughs> so I'm really excited to dive into those movies. But we'll be back before that with another Killer Shark movie. Thanks, listeners. Have a great